It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep your operation running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo, Maria in Miami, and Jules and Troy, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with high quality supplies for every industry, plus real time product availability and access to experts ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show. Coming to you from right here for the last time in my converted garage studio and also on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, Bill Murray, and all sorts of good things. And then today, yeah, it's it's this is the last day we're going to be doing the John Campia show from this glorious converted garage. Um, and it's, uh, it's a little bit bittersweet for me, but joining me on this day, he's the man of bittersweetness, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing? You know, I, I, I can't be bittersweet because the lovely Emma Bannon sent me this awesome Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds from a performance. I love this shirt and it all came from the UK, John. I just have to be joyous and rapturous and not bittersweet about it. It's a good shirt. Your your, your t shirt game is always on point. You know, I'm, I'm I I feel like I every six months though I have to find new ones. You know, I have to get up there and up my game. That's why I've got I've got agents around the world like Emma Bannon in the UK to send me these shirts that I would not normally have access to. See, that's why I have three pairs of pants, and I never buy new ones because then I'll just feel like I need more. And I can look for shirts for you too, but I'll charge you. Ray for, yeah, is I, like the ultimate. Like seriously, if. I, with with all seriousness in my heart, oh, no. if Ray wasn't doing this as a job, <laughs> besides personal chef for somebody, he should be a fashion consultant for people. My best clothes are the ones that I either stole from him or that he picked out for me. Well, in terms of let's let's go back. You made lunch. By the way, hold on a second. Ray Orris here, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, joining <laughs> you guys in the live chat I, today. I was about to say. It's kind of lonely without my toys on my desk. I cleared out everything. Yes, yeah, right. You did. Your desk is all getting ready. Off. Getting ready for the move. I wanted to ask you about the lunch. You made that lunch twice. Right. It's, it's that know. chicken skew. No, no. Don't look. I, I love it. I, I mean, what? What do you put? What do you? Well, okay. People are that. not here to listen to our updates. <laughs> we, we we will talk about that after after things. But uh, and, and Chris Carr not here today. She's on a should be on an airplane right now or landed in Texas already. I, I cleared already. her out too. Yeah, you did. You cleared out her table. It's like she's gonna come back. And say what happened? Yeah. So Chris Carr is in uh, Texas. We are gonna see her again next on Monday when we're in Vegas. Vegas, um, baby. Vegas, baby. We're we leave Monday morning by midnight. I'm gonna be up four grand by midnight. Well, man. Yeah. I'm gonna be up four grand by midnight. But, um, yeah, so today's the last day in this studio, which is really weird because it was just over a year ago that Ann and I, we bought this house. Like, uh, we moved in in January last year, February last year, I can't remember. And I dropped 12 grand to have our contractor turn this dingy, awful garage into the wonderful place of creativity that you see before you now. And um, thinking that I would be doing the show from here, 
for nay years to come. But, you know, we were able to move into this space because our viewers, our community had hung in there with us through the pandemic. The community grew. And thanks to our community, we were able to buy our first home and we were able to create this space. But now also thanks to our community, we've grown to the place that, well, we need a place for Rob to work. And we need a place, we need a place for um, for a second set. And we need a place for more people who are coming in. And we need a place for Fact Checker Jonathan, who's now back with us full time. And we need we like, and because of that, we were able to get a new studio space. And Monday, um, Monday's John Campus show, we will be doing the show from my office at the new studio space. But that's only you, right? You're running, you're yeah. flying solo. You, you might you might be doing it with me, but from your office as right. well. Remember, we like, we'll, we'll figure that out. But we won't have the set and everything set up yet. I'll just be doing it from my office. And then as soon as we're done the show Monday, we take off to Vegas. Jonathan Voiko will still stay behind, fact checker Jonathan, to get everything else finished and set up ready. Friday, I will probably do the show from my office again. And then we'll go from the full set there on uh, on Monday. Time moves by fast. It I does, mean, right? we were just in here, right? I mean, but the most important question the chat is asking is, we already scheduled the armored truck, right, to come? and deliver Mr. Cavill to the new office? Oh, oh my, yeah. So Henry, Henry, of course. He's the first thing. Well, to- there, there's a reason. You know, we have three private offices. Where Rob's going to have one because yeah. he's got to do mailbags from it. You're right. I have one because I'm paying for everything. Yeah. But we're leaving one I've private. i sacrificed mine. Yes, you did. <laughs> but we're leaving one private office empty for the mastermind Henry Cavill's Stand up posty himself. Henry Cavill, no, actually, Henry will probably be on the set somewhere. Right, some, right. Somehow, some him. way, Henry's going to be on the set there. We might have multiple scales of Henry Cavill on the set, too. Yes, we may. There might be multiple scales. That's all I'm saying. Oh. A little bit of a uh, little bit inside. And, uh, you know, just to let everybody know, like people writing in and say, Jay, I can't wait to see the new set. It's going to be awesome. No, let me manage your expectations right now. The set's going to look like shit. I mean, it's not going to be a good-looking set, all right? Because I am no set designer, whatever. But what the set is going to be is it's going to be practical. It's going to allow us to do what we need to do. And I'm very, very excited for it. So thank you to everybody, and thank you to this space for helping us grow over the past year. And thank you to all you guys for being here for us. So I'm thinking, but won't it facilitate more fun banter? I think we'll also facilitate more fun banter. The way we're going to be set up there, you know, we're going to be able to, like... I, I have a great idea, actually. We need to have a 24-hour live Henry Cavill cam. Because <laughs> someone brought some, millions of views. Somebody brought up if he he would have his own cam, and I was like, "Why not just have it the 24-hour?" Right. Cam. I should just put a webcam on Henry. Just have it the 24-hour cam. Exactly. What would be even better is if you just let it record on YouTube forever. So it would just be an endless stream that was uploading Non-stop. to YouTube forever. Like, once or twice a day for 10 seconds, you see me walk past him to get to my mini fridge to grab my soda. But that's it. That's Every it. show, a little picture in picture yeah. with just Cavill in the corner. So there's always something live happening on always the live. channel. Henry Cavill, 24-7, 25. baby. I wonder if you could Superman. actually, we should try that just to see if we could do it. How long would YouTube let us upload Henry Cavill? Hey, if it's getting views and they're generating ad revenue, YouTube won't care. I'll leave my computer on all day youtube will be wouldn't that be hilarious cavil cam can't be the a cavil cam i the love it can't be a plus premium channel the can't be a plus just all henry cavil standing <laughs> 24 hours a day all day every day or we could have multiple cavils like we could just swap it out like after 24 hours Mm-mm. bring in another cavil 
That's the only Kevil. That, that, He's been here with us through thick and thin. But, but, but maybe like mix it up a little bit, like have casual casual Tuesday Cavill. Where he's like wearing maybe a, you know, just a, a regular little button-up shirt. Maybe I got a couple of hot toy cavils. All I know is he's going with us cages. to Vegas. <laughs> no, no, I can tell you Cavill will not be coming with us to Vegas. What if we did like a weekend at Bernie's video where we took this Cavill everywhere? Just for a day. We could drive all over L.A. and have him take all right. We know we can go down to old, we'll go down to old Vegas. It's going well, off the ledge. Right? We, we can do the Amelie Gnome thing where we just take him around Vegas for an afternoon. Anyway, guys, that giant Ferris wheel it's good to have you here. Let's get on with our show, shall we? And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to go ahead and take your live comments and questions. Now, how do you get a live comment or question on the show? Well, that's really rather simple. Once we get to the final main topic, we're going to open up the Super Chats, and then you guys can fire in Super Chats. And we'll keep them open for a couple of minutes until we get all filled up. And then we will take your live comments and questions from those super chats there. Okay, guys, with that down, let's get things started into our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics today? It's really simple. You guys come up with our main topics. See, whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by James Lockman. And James Lockman writes, Hey, John, I just got home from watching The Northman, and wow, this movie delivered. It was fantastic. It was so beautifully shot. I saw your out of the theater review and I agree. All the performances were great. At first, I thought Nicole Kidman's role would be more in the background, but no, she delivered a strong performance. As I was watching it, it gave me the same feelings as when I saw Braveheart for the first time that I was about to watch something great. Uh, your thoughts. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And yeah, you guys know I've, I've been talking about it a lot. My number one most anticipated movie of the year has was the Batman. So then I saw the Batman. My number one most anticipated movie of the year after that was the Northman. They first showed us footage of the Northman at the last Comic-Con, Comic-Con, at the last CinemaCon that we're about to go to next week. And I remember it just blew me away, caught me by surprise, blew me away. I loved what I saw and I've been dying to go see this movie. And last night I went to go see it and spoiler alert, I loved it. I really loved it. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's not the movie I thought it was. Like, mm. it's it's just not. I was telling Rob this this morning when I came in, or when he came in. I said, you know, here's the thing about The Northman. It's not the movie I thought it was going to be at all. And then I feel, felt really silly for not knowing what kind of movie it was going to be because mm. it's a Robert Eggers movie. And it is definitely all Robert Eggers. I mean, this if, if you never heard who directed it and you watch this movie, you go, I'll bet you anything Robert Eggers directed this. And you'd be 100% right. Of course he did. It's this kind of movie. Because I thought, and I again, I feel silly now for thinking this. I had this thought in my head that this was going to be basically Braveheart with Vikings. Lots of big epic scale stuff and all that, this kind of stuff. And that's never been Robert Eggers. 
So I don't know why I was thinking that, but the previews and stuff like that, they make you feel like this is going to be a high actioneer, big epic set piece adventure likened unto a uh, Braveheart. And it's not. It's not that at all. It is a very smaller feeling, more intimate feeling kind of a movie that was different than what I thought it was going to be, but it was fantastic. It, it was absolutely great. As you can tell from the trailers, this is a revenge flick. It's a young boy watches the murder of his king, his father, at the hands of his uncle. And as he escapes and flees, he makes a vow. I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, whatever the name of the, the king's brother was. I keep forgetting his name. Dick. I will avenge you, father. I will, I, will, I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will kill so-and-so. And that's kind of the battle chant through it. But it constantly stays very small scale, very intimate. And it felt more... Did you see the most recent... I can't remember if you saw it or not. Did you see the most recent uh, The Tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel oh, Washington? Yeah. It feels like that. Yeah, yeah. Like it totally feels like that movie, like completely. And every bit is potent. Every bit is effective. Every bit is beautiful. Um, let's start by talking about Skarsgård. Amazing. Guttural. Visceral. Savage. He's a beast. He's an absolute beast in this. And then let me talk about the dialogue. The other thing is, like, it's it's Shakespearean dialogue. I mean, really, every line of dialogue was poetry. It was absolutely beautiful. And, you know, Skarsgård, the young boy who vows to avenge his father, grows up, becomes what, what the Norsemen called a berserker. And it's, like, just crazy. When he's, like, in total warrior mode and in total berserker mode, like, what he, the stuff he reaches down into into his depths to pull out this guttural, visceral kind of performance is incredible. Anya Taylor-Joy, is anybody surprised when I tell you she's amazing in this movie? Like, she's really great. She doesn't have the hugest role. Like, not compared to, like, Scars, but her and Nicole Kidman roughly have the same amount of screen time, I think. But she was incredible. N Nicole Kidman, as the mother, amazing. And I don't know off the top of my head who played the brother. Who played the brother that killed the king, that... You know, Skarsgård grows up vowing to to kill and take vengeance on. He was fantastic, too. It's, it's, it's breathtaking. It's beautiful. The cinematography. Tell you one of the things that I really loved. Right from the opening scene. Well, not opening scene, but in the opening few minutes. you They do this one scene where they're gathered in one of the halls and the king's there and the people and it's, it's all lit by firelight. When you watch Vikings or anything else and they have these scenes, it's very well lit. But this, like what Robert Eggers went for verisimilitude, it was very poorly lit because the only light they would have had were torches and fire pits and whatever. And it was it lit beautifully. Well, question. Uh, Handsome Hawk is in it, right, too? Yeah, he yep. plays the father. He plays okay. the king. And also someone asked, which is a good question. Is it safe enough for Chris to watch? Someone like Chris to watch. Can you at least say that? Eye violence. Well, yeah, yeah there, there's an absence of eye violence, although they talk about gouging out eyes a lot. But I, I don't gore think factor. Because I'm a little squeamish, too. Here's the thing. I heard some of the early wor word we heard was it's like all oh, like gory and blah, blah. No, it's not. There are there are a couple of scenes that are quite graphic, like, you know, a big, big thing. But in a battle scene, a guy has his stomach slit open, his intestines spill out. Yeah. But there's not a lot of that. Like, there's a few, like, really shocking moments like that, but there were just moments. 
So it, it wasn't too terribly bad that way. I actually think Chris would be okay with it. All right. Mm. Especially with the, act, the the lack of major eye violence. Um, but yeah, I I just thought it was beautiful. It was powerful as a revenge flick. It, it actually had some overtones of Kill Bill, if you know what I mean when I say that. But like just this utter drive for vengeance and revenge and then maybe this slight hope of having something else in his life other than revenge it's beautiful and it's painful and it's steeped in mythology and lore and i just gotta tell you guys listen it's not the movie that i was expecting and i'm not shocked to see like it doesn't have like a 90 percent audience rating i think it's like in the high 70s low 80s whatever and i'm not surprised because I think there's going to be a lot of people who, like me, are going into The Northman thinking they're going to get this big, epic, blockbuster scale. Because the the trailers kind of hint at that a little bit. And so I think it's understandable that a lot of people might go into this movie expecting that, and they're not going to get the movie they expected. Oh, wow. So I think I can totally understand why some people might walk out feeling a little bit disappointed. Hmm. But for me, it's, it's a quintessential Robert Egg- Eggers film. I thought it was beautifully done gorgeous to look at fantastic performances i love i would i would say it is now my third favorite movie of the year so everything everywhere all at once is still my number one film of the year batman is still my number two and now the northman is my number three you know when i look at that poster that's all i assume there's like an all-out war because you see scars guard on the top of a cliff and there's tons of ships coming at him so there's no on a scale one to ten all-out war in the film is what two. like a t- wow two there oh yeah yeah it's more personal conflict ah i see okay. and stuff like that yeah there's there's if you're going in there expecting to see the at least thousands of christian soldiers versus thousands of the invading norseman horde that's not what this movie is oh mm-hmm. wow it's not that at all but like the witch it's just mind engaging and incredible and beautiful and yeah i i love this movie even though it's not the movie i was expecting anyway guys question is for you and by the way my right out of the theater review is up on the channel as they were referring to so if you want to see my one and a half minute right out of the trail right out of the movie theater thoughts it's on the channel right now but what do you guys think have you guys seen the northman if so what did you think of it if you haven't seen it were you like me kind of thinking this was going to be some kind of big broad scoping war epic when really it's not i mean what do you guys think whatever your thoughts are jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts guys we want to thank the sponsor of today's video mint mobile you know the one with the delightful ads with good canadian kid ryan reynolds so look after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers if we've learned anything is that there's always a catch So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just $15 a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. And guys, that's no joke because for years I've been using one of the major providers and it was fine. But I switched over to Mint Mobile a little while ago. The service has been fantastic. And the big difference is I'm now paying about one third of what I was paying before. And the best part for anybody who just hates their phone bills is that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month 
a month. All their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to the good folks at Mint Mobile for saving me lots of money on my phone plan and for being a sponsor of today's episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Nameless Entity, who writes, Hey, John. It's no secret for almost every Marvel Studio film reshoots occur. In a recent interview, Bruce Campbell explained Marvel is constantly updating the film's uh, Doctor Strange 2 storyline and told Sam Raimi he had to reshoot scenes and scrap the ones that no longer apply. He further added, added that he isn't even sure that he will end up in the film. John, isn't it a little bit concerning that Marvel is still updating the film's storyline this late into the reshooting and then asking Sam to delete and add scenes? And couldn't this lead to a distraction in Sam's vision for the film? What do you think about this, John? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in Nameless Entity. And yeah, so there's this interview going around right now with Bruce Campbell and talking about, you know, what can we expect from Doctor Strange 2? And Bruce Campbell basically revealed that uh, I mean, they're working on this thing right down to the deadline and they're making Sam add scenes that he didn't initially plan on. They're making him remove scenes. And quite frankly, I don't know who's in it. Actually, let's get more specific. This is what comes to us from the folks over at Game Informer quoting Bruce Campbell, who said the following. The Marvel guys, they make eight of these movies at the same time, so they're always updating storylines. So my buddy Sam Raimi has had to add scenes that Marvel told him he had to, had to shoot, and he's removed scenes that no longer apply. So until May rolls around, I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch even knows if he's in the movie or not, <laughs> which I think is an awesome line of the thing. All right, so here's the, the thing. The question is, should we be concerned about them, them still tinkering with this by the way i think by now as of this moment the film is probably completely it, oh, it, it's sealed yes. up. it's it's in the can it's on the shelf but still they worked on this thing really late into the process should number one should that concern us number two should the interference from marvel concern us let's talk about the working on it late into the game the best way i know how to describe that is this rob there was a time where if I didn't have an off the top by like an hour and a half before the show, then we didn't cover it. If, even if it came up, we would wait till the next day. Cause you know, then we gotta, we gotta figure out how this is going to work into the flow of the show, you know, getting the, the sites and the graphics together and blah, blah, blah. But the more and more we did the John Campus show, well, that went from an hour and a half to an hour and that from an hour to 45 minutes. And that, I just got so comfortable with it. Literally now 10 seconds before the show starts, I can throw in an off the top. It's fine because we know we can do it. We're accustomed to it. We know what we're doing. I know exactly how much time we have, all that kind of stuff. On a significant multiplied by a million times scale, I think Marvel and Kevin Feige are at that same place. They're like, we've done this so many times now. We know exactly how much time we've got. We know we can take this thing up to a certain deadline. And then they probably push that envelope even more every time. So 
Kevin Feige has publicly said many times that he likes after the movie is shot to then get into the edit room, look at the dailies, and he'll come up with new ideas. It's like, you know what? What if we did this? And that's why they plan reshoots. And if he's still got the money and he wants even more reshoots after that because he's got another new idea or now he thinks something else doesn't work, they'll go in and change that. And they can do that right up to the last second. And so on that level, I wouldn't worry about it at all. I, would, I wouldn't worry about that in the least. Now, should Marvel fans be worried that Marvel is so heavily interfering with, quote-unquote, Sam Raimi's vision? Well, the answer to that question is also no. And I'll tell you why you shouldn't worry that Marvel is messing with Sam Raimi's vision. Because every Marvel movie... And we've talked about this before, guys. Every Marvel movie is not really the director's movie. It's Kevin Feige's movie. They're there to execute Kevin Feige's vision and absolutely film like Kugler and, and other guys. They definitely bring their own thing to the table. Absolutely, they do. But make no mistake, at the end of the day, the scenes that stay are the ones that Kevin says stay. The scenes that get removed are the ones that Kevin say get removed. And nobody has anything to say about it. He'll listen to input. He does. He listens to input from everybody that works for him. He'll evaluate that, and then he'll make his decision. But once that decision's done, it's his decision. And this is why I laugh, Rob, sometimes when people say, Oh, studio interference. Do you like Marvel movies? Oh, I love Marvel movies. There is no studio that interferes more than Marvel. That's not hyperbole either, Rob. That is one by a mile. That is a hundred percent fact. There is no studio that interferes with the directors more than Kevin Feige. And I wouldn't studio. call it interference. It absolutely though. is interference. It's one hundred percent. The only thing is, when it's something we don't like, we call it interference. When it's something that we think works out great, we don't call it interference. But it well, is interference. Well, I, I, look, I think that the Marvel movies are designed to be a collaboration. They're, they're more like television shows than movies really because on a tv show a director is hired to execute the vision of the showrunner and the director gets to direct the actors and things like that pick the shots with the dp but ultimately the producers of the tv show the showrunners they're the ones that finalize the edit they're the ones that make it the way they want it to be that's kind of how marvel movies work this the directors know like when you bring on James Gunn, he'd never directed a $150 million movie before, but Kevin Feige knows, looking at Super and looking at Slither, I want that sensibility for Guardians of the Galaxy. But James Gunn knows from the get-go that he's working in tandem and collaboration with Marvel from the beginning. So I, I, I don't think like I don't think Kevin Feige comes down from on high and says, Sam Raimi, move aside. It's my turn. I'm going to come in here. Because remember, they worked together on the three Spider-Man movies Sam Raimi directed. So Sam Raimi knows that he's in collaboration with Marvel. They know that from the outset. And I think that fruitful collaboration for a director actually becomes a new tool in their toolbox. And I wouldn't necessarily... I mean, you could call it, I guess, interference. But because it goes from the very beginning of the process all the way through, I mean, I'm sure Sam Raimi understands before he even starts, that this is what's going to happen as they make the film. But I mean, that's that becomes a matter of semantics, right? I mean, listen, because at the end of the day, the, the director is not in charge of this movie, right? Kevin Feige's in charge. And if 
Like we always call it interference if a studio goes to a director and says, oh, we want you to add this. And well, that wasn't what the director wanted to do. And then we label that interference. Right. The only difference, and it is a difference, and you pointed this out. The only difference is that I believe that the directors go in understanding that this is going to happen. It doesn't change what's happening. It's just that they know this was, I think every director going in has to understand. Because we've talked about this. One of the great strengths of Kevin Feige, I think, is the fact that he will sit down with his directors and he'll say, okay, look, we're doing a, I don't know, Squirrel Girl movie, okay? And no, I'm making this up, guys. Don't, John Camp, your report, Squirrel Girl getting made. But we're going to do a Squirrel Girl movie. Okay, here's the thing. I need this to happen in it, and this needs to happen, and this needs to happen, and this needs to happen. Because of some things I got going on in other movies, you can't do this, or this, or this, or this. So here's your playground, all right? Here's your playground. Inside this playground, you go nuts. Just remember to stay within the boundaries that I have set for you. And then for the most part, then the directors are allowed to jump into that sandbox. Sometimes it's a very small sandbox. Sometimes it's a little bit bigger. And they're allowed to exercise their creativity within those boundaries. But even then, Kevin Feige will come along and say, this isn't working for me. I remember he did this a lot. Peyton Reed talked about this as well on Ant-Man. When there was something that wasn't working, that Kevin Feige felt wasn't working, he came in and said this. Josh Whedon talks about this. With things because Joss Whedon's like original idea for Avengers, which I think is the greatest comic book movie of all time, he was not going to have Black Widow in that movie. Right. He wanted Wasp, and Kevin Feige came along and said, mm, "No, no, no. We want to. We got. We got. We got plans for Black Widow, so we're going to need you to take Wasp out and uh, put in Black Widow instead." The only difference between this and a lot is that. The thing is, it works. I mean, it totally works because this is, I liked the analogy you used, actually, the whole idea about Kevin Feige is really more of the showrunner of the MCU. Yes. And I think that's a great way of looking at it. But I'm just saying, I, I do find it funny that people will complain about studio interference, but they won't call out studio interference when the results are good. When the results are good, it's great. But when it's, the results are bad, it's studio interference. The, here's the fact of the matter. Every studio... Because at the end of the day, the movie is not the director's movie. He's not paying for it. Right. The movie belongs to the studio. It's their movie. It's their money. It's their their plans and their company. And it's everything rides on them. And so this is just a situation where Kevin Feige is more hands-on. Uh, yeah, but I I think all directors and all film the filmmakers they know from the from the outset that that's they're in collaboration with their studio and their producer. Yes. What's different is if let's go over to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers will hire a guy like David Ayer to write and direct a Suicide Squad or have Zack Snyder come in based on Man of Steel. If something happens at the studio, like Zack Snyder's making his movie, you know, and 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 uh, maybe Batman v Superman didn't make a billion dollars, then the studio panics. And Zack Snyder's making his movie and the studio's like, you know what? Uh, uh, we don't. Uh, you're you're going the wrong direction. Where we we don't we we don't like your, what you're doing. Like like they're second guessing him. They go in, despite the tragedy in his life. Then the studio, they just take the movie away. David Ayer locked out of the edit bay. Your version of the movie. We're not going to go with that anymore. We're going to step in and change it. Like there's no collaboration there. The studio, like the people on high who aren't filmmakers themselves, the studio comes in and goes, we're going to get a trailer company to re-edit Suicide Squad. 
Why? Yeah, but that's the specific instance. That's happened with Kevin Feige as well. Let's look back. We spoke about Ant-Man for a second. Let's look at the situation with Edgar Wright, right? Like, Kevin Feige just basically sat down with Edgar and said, look, the version of Ant-Man you want to do doesn't work for me anymore. Right, Because, but that was, again, it was iterative. I, I, yeah, iterative, you know, but, it, but still, it's the same thing. It's like, the movie we agreed to make, that doesn't work for us anymore, and... We still want you to direct it, but it's going to have to be a different movie now. And Edgar Wright said, well, that's not that. This is the movie I want to direct, not that one. Also, Ray, you had something you want to say. I, I say normally, like, just being so, like, maybe last second, as the email said, it would be worse, worrisome. But I think this movie is the only one where I'll let that pass only because of the subject matter. It's the multiverse of madness. So it's like it's like all the possibilities I can have. I mean, I'm just hoping like everyone else, whatever was taken out or whatever's getting put in makes the movie better. Well, and I would also say, say, say something could happen when they're making this because this happens too. They could have been making this movie and they saw when they're making it like Sam Raimi might have done something like, ooh, that's interesting. Let's use that. And they might use it in the next movie or a movie down the line. And it wasn't planned. And Kevin Feige's like, you know what, Sam? We have an idea. And it's based on something you did. So let's, we want to create something new. I mean, that could, but now we're making up a fake scenario, right? We're making up a hypothetical because Bruce, Bruce, the way Bruce says is they made Sam add this stuff. Well, that he did but that's out, also And actors, they made him take stuff out. But if you look at the way he's talking about it, I mean, I think that remember. Because it's happened before with Sam Raimi. Remember, Bruce Campbell is, is a kind of guy that's worked with Sam Raimi all the way back to Evil yeah, Dead in 1980, of 42 years. Very close. So. This is a different way. Sam Raimi hasn't had to work this way. He's been an auteur since the beginning of his career. This is the first time he stepped into this. I mean, he's had to, he had to deal with Sony on Spider-Man 3, too, which is a nightmare. But the, the And that was the studio. But this is different in the sense that this movie is coming off of another movie and is leading into other movies. So they have to think about the entire... T so Sam Raimi isn't just directing one movie. He's directing part of a quilt are part of a, 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 a square in a, in a giant quilt that also has to work. So he's never had to deal with that. So, but, but going back to the Sony situation, right? Sony went to him and said, okay, we want Venom in the third Spider-Man movie. No different than Kevin Feige going to Joss Whedon and say, mm -mm -mm, we want Black Widow in this movie. The difference was... In one, it worked, so we celebrate that they told him to do that. In the other, it didn't work, and we say, oh, it's because of studio interference. No, and listen, I love Sam Raimi. You know, I've, I've gotten together with Sam Raimi several times. I love the guy. I love his films. But I've always said this about that Sony situation was, okay, if the studio tells you to use that villain, then go make a good movie with that villain. I mean, Joss Whedon got stuck with the same scenario. Like, you can't have this, you got to have this. All right, so instead of whatever he just went and made a great movie with those characters instead it's just that again i think the the issue is with us as the fans that when the results are good you know what i always say winning cures everything right winning is makes everything else okay so, like on one i don't know if it was you did this specifically but on the lord of the rings it's like peter jackson talks about how yeah he got a lot of no notes from new line about things he had to do if the movies turned out terrible we would be pointing back at that and going studio interference but it turned out great and so we celebrate the movies as some of the greatest movies of all time you know this makes this blu-ray much more of a purchase for me the doctor strange well, just because of director yeah. commentary to see because because i think for sam raimi fans without the mcu whatever 
I think like, you know, I guess they would be a little disappointed because they want to see their favorite directors like vision of what it's supposed to be. Well, there's so, and look, which would, would be cool to hear on the Blu-ray at least. There's a huge difference we also haven't mentioned. Kevin Feige is the actual producer of yes, these films. Yes, he is. Whereas he's he's also the head of the studio. He's, yeah, he's both. But he's also the producer and he's a creative hands-on producer. And a great producer has that kind of a relationship with the director. So he, as the producer, forget that he's a studio. He's working in tandem with his directors. Right. And he's hand But he can picking. force them to make some he's, changes because he is the studio. No, he, he can. But, but I think that he is much more, more than any other studio executive maybe in history, he is first and foremost a creative as opposed to being a suit. He's not just a suit. And I think at Warner Brothers, they're suits. And at Sony, what Sam Raimi had to deal with were suits. Because they make these random, like, what's your creative decision based on? Why are you deciding, like, he, didn't, he wanted to use, there was another, I forget what, there was another villain he wanted to use that he wasn't able to use in Spider-Man 3. I don't 3. think it was Vulture, because he was going to use that in Spider-Man 4. Yeah, he was going to something else. And he, this, the studio's like, they'll tell him something, and, and, and Raimi's like, why do you want to, why do you say that? Right, but, but again, it goes back to, when it works, right. we all celebrate it. Yes. Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, I, I right? It, it's it, just when it doesn't work, that's when we point it out and, and then pretend like studio interference is the culprit. I think it comes down to the creative impulse, though. Who's being creative? Whereas Kevin Feige's doing something from a creative producing standpoint and a studio standpoint. But then there's studio interference where they make these crazy decisions based on stuff that's random right. or, or outside elements. That's, that's the problem. The thing is we don't talk about the yeah. eight times out of ten that it works. When it turns out to be a disaster, then we point at it. and go. It's the same thing like kind of like with the Kathleen Kennedy situation, right? Where it's like, listen, everybody knows I don't think Kathleen Kennedy should be the head of Lucasfilm. I, I, I mean, I love the decision when she was hired. But we have seen what has happened and, and we've learned that maybe this isn't the best fit for her. Mm. Uh, that being said, when a project goes terribly wrong, it's Kathleen Kennedy's fault. When a project goes extremely right, that had nothing to do with Kathleen yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's kind of the same thing as when a movie goes wrong and the, and the studio had influence in it, it was studio interference. But the eight out of the ten movies that studios apply pressure to or apply influence over and they turn out great. Well, that, uh, that had nothing to do with it. I you, know, right? you, you know, I have a feeling everyone's saving this energy for after the movie comes out because their end result will we'll, we'll go back on this. I we will go back yeah, and yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. this. I, depending I, on I can the guarantee movie. you, if Doctor Strange 2 ends up bad, if Doctor Strange 2 ends up bad, which let's be honest, it's, it's not. But if right. it does, I guarantee you there's a good chunk of the fan base is going to point back to this interview with Bruce Campbell and say, the reason the movie didn't work was because of studio interference. And, and that's just ridiculous because this is this. The point, I guess, is as as you were alluding to as well, this is how all the Marvel Marvel movies work. Yeah. This isn't like Sam Raimi is just the first director to experience that. Oh, I don't just get to do my vision. That's every Marvel movie. And it's worked out pretty well so far. And also, you know, movies are very iterative. You brought up Lord of the Rings. When they were shooting or pardon me, when they were scoring the movie, when they were scoring the two towers in uh, London. Howard Shore. They, the Ents didn't attack Isengard. That wasn't even in the movie. They're actually scoring the film and they're like, uh, we need to change the end of this movie. It doesn't work. And I mean, at the 11th hour, Peter Jackson wrote, contacted Weta. They had a big conference call and said to the guys, 
I need you to come up with scenarios where the Ents are doing things as they attack Isengard. Come up with gags that we can shoot. And then they came up with uh, Sam, that narration. The great stories, Mr. Frodo, he narrates the end of The Two Towers, creating this ending that didn't exist. The Two Towers ending was a mess. And they're scoring it. And it was literally, uh, you you had... um, uh, Mark Ordesky, who was the studio guy, they were working on this literally at the very last minute. The end of Two Towers comes, and you would never know. Because by that point, they'd already shot most of Return of the King. Oh, yeah. You'd yeah. never know. You uh, you look at the end of that movie, you can't imagine it ending another way. That film was a mess. Literally very, very close to the 11th hour when they had to deliver it. I- I'm glad you brought up Lord of the Rings. Wasn't that such a good movie? Yeah. <laughs> That was a great movie. <laughs> a movie with a lot of last minute changes. Well, you haven't changes. seen Two Towers. Well, you have. But yeah. We will soon. Or it will, will again soon. But a movie that had a lot of last minute changes, that had a lot of studio notes, that had all, the, all that kind of stuff. And I guess, I guess, Rob, what you and I would probably agree on is this. The key, there are some exceptions. There are some exceptions. But I think we would agree that the key to a great movie is a great collaboration between studio and director. Right, hundred percent. Right. Also, also, you 100%. know, Sam Raimi didn't walk off or isn't angry, so maybe yeah, the changes yeah, yeah. aren't that bad. Because yeah, I, I think mean, no, I think what Rob said was right. I think like Raimi and I think all Kevin Feige makes you see because he's a communicator. Kevin Feige communicates. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. It's a primal, wild freedom. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, sound effects guy. Hmm, no. You know, we really lost a stride at the end there. Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage. I think Sam Raimi, and who knows, maybe he was a little bit perturbed. I'm just, listen, anybody who's a creator, they will get a little, they get defensive of their well, creation, uh, uh, and they should. But I think he understood going in that this will probably happen at some point. Well, imagine me, right? Like some mornings I'll spend so long on the thumbnail right right and let's say and it's up and then i go and go on the thing but then bigger story breaks and you have to change the thumbnail right it's kind of like that it's like last second you know what i mean yeah yeah. out of way i'm like oh i always feel bad about that because when ray makes like some great bomb ass thumbnail but then like they announce a new Star Wars movie, and I got to pull off his. I know. Take away his thumbnail, and it's already shown, terrible. so I can't use it again. So, right. but <laughs> so so like, you know, if this is unusual as it's from what it sounds, so last second, it's unusual. But Raimi still is is on board. So I yeah. mean, it might, and we are hearing it from Bruce Campbell's perspective, right? And he's hearing something he's never really heard from Sam Raimi before, and he's like, "Can you believe that?" Like, I'm sure part of it's in his own mind. Like, I don't know if I'm in this movie. I Benedict Cumberbatch might not be in this movie. So the his comments, you also have to kind of read between the lines. It's not like he's saying this movie's a disaster and Sam's been thwarted at every turn. He's like, I've never seen anything go, like this before. Go ahead, Ray. Oh, I'm just saying, doesn't that make you more excited, though? I know what he's saying is like could be seen as bad. But from him saying, I don't know who's in this movie, the possibilities uh, are endless yes. now i absolutely took this, that from this and it's by, what two weeks by the way Less. i'm sure they thought about i'm sure kevin feige probably said hey we can get so-and-so to cameo in this movie like let's say tom cruise is in it <laughs> oh my God. and i can imagine sam raimi going wait what 
You want you want Tom Cruise to come cameo in this film? I don't know if Kevin Feige would do that because Kevin Feige's the same guys who went like, "Hey, yeah, yeah, we got X Men now, but I got my plan already." Like, yeah. Right. But, but I mean, they probably could. There's still, I can imagine they come up with cool stuff. Oh, hey, listen, I know Red Flash, but let me, and maybe maybe Raimi himself said, you know, as a Marvel Comics fan, what if we did this? I want to bring up something unpopular, but I, I think this is a, a, an appropriate point to bring it up again. What was it? Mark Ruffalo? Was it either Mark Ruffalo or or Tom Holland? One of the two of them recently talked about Kevin Feige. And saying, I know it sounds weird to say, but it's Kevin Feige is underrated for how much he has to do with, with Marvel. I think it was answer. Ruffalo. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Ruffalo. It's like people just don't get it. Like, And it brings up the thing again about, let's say, the Russo brothers, who I adore. I adore Joe and Anthony. They've been on my in, in my sets and on my studios many times. They've sent me wonderful video messages. They're incredible. I will always be fans of theirs. But it's I, I don't know that it's a coincidence that before working with Kevin Feige, nobody really knew their names and who they were. They work with Kevin Feige. They're the hottest things in Hollywood. Once they stop working with Kevin Feige, let's just say it's 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 been challenging. Let's just say it's been challenging since they stopped. You know, they had 21 Bridges that they were the, the main forces behind and the main producers on. They had, uh, what was it, Cherry? Uh, that, that they directed. Uh, that they, and, and honestly wasn't very good. Um, I mean, it's been, then they did uh, Extraction that they wrote and they produced, which a lot of people like. I, I personally didn't like it all that much, but a bunch of people did. But still, it's been a little bit more challenging. I think all this really points to maybe as much glory and, and praise that we give Kevin Feige, maybe it's not even enough. Maybe we got to recognize that he makes even, this is what made Wayne Gretzky so good. The people start working with him. He makes everybody around him better. Right. I mean, which is the best thing I think you can say about an executive. Well, remember, like, he's the one that's been thinking about 20, 30, 40 movies for, yep. for 14 years. And ahead. And Raimi, yeah, and ahead. And Raimi comes, he hires Raimi, he likes Raimi, they've worked together before. This is what I want you to make. You're a big fan of this character already. And and yet Raimi is like, okay, I'm focused on this Doctor Strange movie. I am not thinking four films down the road and I, what these cameos might mean for the next movie. So the directors uh, Kevin Feige hires shouldn't, by the way, think about the things that Kevin Feige is working about because they should be thinking about the movie they're making. And it is Kevin Feige who has to keep this all. Dude, what is this, the 29th? Is this the 28th, the 29th Marvel movie? There's a lot. <laughs> it's more than I have fingers and toes. I mean, Once after that, it just becomes math. That's insane. Yeah. And then we still got two more this year. Does I think? Does that mean Wakanda Forever is like the thirtieth? I think Wakanda Forever is the thirtieth Marvel movie. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm That's surprised he hasn't let it off the rails. I mean, with so many movies, they got to give credit to Feige. I mean, this thing could have went off the rails with so many. With every so, single movie. Yeah, with yeah. so many um, things to keep track of and like to make. sure. Yeah, of course we'll have some loopholes. It's gonna always have loopholes, but. To keep it uh, like this. Look, the fact that so your long. audience wants to see this movie, how excited are we that we jaded film pundits that we are? How excited are you, John? Drooling. Right? Absolutely drooling to see this movie. Me too. And you? Uh, right? Come on. That's I rest my case. Especially since we saw some Gore the God Butcher. 
that but i have to say that made me even more excited oh it did it did for me too but that's for thor like off off the, oh, that you're right that is for thor well, you're mean, right. heard, that's a, getting, that's another movie i'm so excited about all of it i'm getting them confused we'll just skip multiverse of madness yeah anyway guys question is for you what do you think about these statements from Bruce Campbell? I mean, really, at this point, Marvel interfering in a Marvel movie is water wet. It works. It's the thing that works for them. I don't know. Why should we expect anything different? How do you guys feel about it? Jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Hey, guys, we want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's video, me undies now look if you're anything like me when you run out of underwear the first thing you do is you just run to the big store and buy the cheapest pack you can or you jump online and buy a big bag of some cheap underwear and it's you know as long as it's not uncomfortable it's fine and that's the way life was for me until i got my first package of me undies and i put on that first pair i got and i was like this is how good things can be when you got underwear that's not just not comfortable but actual comfortable underwear and that's what me undies delivers and i will never go back the me undies membership is literally designed to make your life easier with free shipping and returns on every order saving on virtually everything they make exclusive sales and early access to their newest stuff there's kind of no reason not to join new prints drop monthly so there's always something new to see but you can always skip delivery for the month or even cancel any time no questions asked and guys right now me undies has a great offer for my audience for any first-time purchasers you get 15 percent off and for a limited time if you sign up for their free to join me undies membership you get 25 percent off your first membership item so to get 25 percent off your first membership item or 15 percent off your first order and a 100 satisfaction guarantee go to me undies.com slash campia that's me undies.com slash campia and a big thank you to the good folks at MeUndies for sponsoring this episode of the John Campus Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually really supporting us. Go ahead and use their links. You'll find them down at the top of the description below. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. And our third and final main topic today gets submitted to us by Lost in Translation, who writes, Hey, crew. It's now being reported that production on Aziz Ansari's directorial debut film, Being Mortal, has now been suspended by Searchlight Pictures. At first, it was assumed that the shutdown might have been caused due to a COVID outbreak, but now Deadline reports it was due to Bill Murray's inappropriate behavior on set. It's really unfortunate to see how a highly esteemed actor like Bill at this point of his career behaving like that, and even more sad to see that uh, Aziz's and his crew not being able to create their desired film due to one man's erratic behavior. John, what are your thoughts on the situation? Thanks, and love to the crew. All right, thanks for saying that in Lost in Translation. All right, so for those of you who don't know what's happening here, so... Aziz Ansari, who, of course, is Tom Hatherford of Parks and Rec. That's what he'll always be that to me. I loved him so much in that show. That's where I totally fell in love with him as a performer. Um, he's making his directorial debut. And he's got Seth Rogen in it, Bill Murray in it. That's not bad for your directorial debut. And they get about halfway through filming. And all of a sudden, and we found this out the other day, that all of a sudden production stopped. They, they halted production on the film. And there was we didn't even talk about it on the show because like everybody else, we just kind of assumed, oh, this is either like a, a COVID thing or a scheduling thing or whatever. No, nothing big, big came out of it. 
Well, now we've found out why it is. According to Deadline, it has to do with Bill Murray. This comes from the folks at Deadline who report the following. Following the news that production was suspended on the Searchlight film Being Mortal, sources tell Deadline the suspension had to do with a complaint made against star Bill Murray for inappropriate behavior. It is unknown at this time what Murray's involvement in the project will be going forward as the investigation remains active. Insiders add that Aziz Ansari, who is starring, writing, and making his directorial debut on the film alongside his partner, Yori Henley, was not a part of the complaint, nor was co-star Seth Rogen. Searchlight said it does not comment during ongoing investigations. All right, so let me say this first. In talking about Bill Murray's erratic behavior, let's be clear. Right now, we don't know what the behavior is. For all we know, it could be, obviously it's probably not, but I'm just saying, keep in mind, this could be a complaint that Bill Murray double-dipped this chip in the Cass, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you dip your chips in? I don't know. The crafty, craft service table. But but what do you what do you call what do you dip your chips in? You dip it in uh, chocolate and peanut butter. Sure, chocolate and peanut butter. Sour cream and onions. Sour cream and, and something. And, and Why queso. not? Yeah. Mix the queso with the sour cream. Somebody saw Bill Murray double dip, and thought number one that's ignorant to start with. I must admit I'm a double dipper. But number one, that's ignorant to start with. And number two, in the age of COVID, how can you be so irresponsible? Shut this thing down. I mean, it might be that. Probably not. But I'm just saying, let's keep in mind before we rush to judgment that we don't know what the accusation is or what he supposedly did. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves on this. There are a couple things that we know factually that we can speculate about and and look at. Number one, it has to be serious enough that Searchlight, because remember, Rob, you point this out all the time. Every second on a movie set is probably hundreds of dollars. I mean, every day, every hour is thousands of dollars. Like, for Searchlight to just stop production halfway through, oh, this is going to cost them a lot of money. Uh, it's, it's catastrophic, really. I mean, especially since I'm going to assume since it's Searchlight, it's probably not a huge budget film. They probably spent whatever money they had on Seth Rogen and Bill Murray. And, and think about like the that. crew. You've got an entire crew. They, they've halted. They've curtailed um, this kind of. Uh, and it might be one 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 person who called it. It's inappropriate behavior. Right. And and one person's inappropriate, uh, inappropriate behavior might be Bill Murray's idea of humor or comedy yeah i mean for it, all it we could know, be a it generational be. difference you never know could be but again and it's serious enough that searchlight actually pulled plug on the production yes, absolutely now the second thing that we should mention here and listen it, this is hard because i i love i mean who doesn't love bill murray everybody loves bill murray obviously i, I grew up watching this guy uh, like a lot of my childhood was spent watching his, whether it's Ghostbusters or Stripes or you you name it, Meatballs, Caddyshack, whatever, whatever, right? Grew up idolizing Bill Murray. Everybody laughs it off. But what happened on the set of Charlie's Angels 2, yeah. we have found out in recent years was, let's just call it, Bill Murray was an asshole. To Lucy Liu. Yeah. In that, in that, let's 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 call it what it is. All of us act like assholes sometimes, right? We all do. It's just whether or not we get caught in that moment. But 
When he you called really... in to question her talent, her ability in front of the crew. In front of the casting crew. Berated her. Yep. Uh, and very... apparently ca- casting crew had to physically restrain Lucy Liu from beating the shit out of her. Yes. And and when you really read the reports like from crew, like because before we used to hear he said, she said, but in recent years, actual accounts from the people who were on set that day came out. And look, there's just no getting around it. Bill Murray was a real asshole to her. In that one, that doesn't mean he's necessarily an asshole in the rest of his life. We're all assholes sometimes. That doesn't mean you're an asshole for your entire life. But it's hard not to think of that when you hear something like this and think, well, it wouldn't be the first time that Bill Murray maybe has acted inappropriately on set. Again, though, I think it would be dangerous for us to get into, like, I read some people already speculating online that he probably made inappropriate sexual advances on somebody. There's nothing to suggest that that's right. the case. I mean, it. who knows it might be. It might be that he double-dipped his chip. We just don't know. But... Obviously, it's concerning to hear. It's got to be something serious enough that made spot a, a spotlight searchlight pull the plug on production. It's going to cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this. It's not the first time Bill Murray has probably acted badly on a set, um, and you got to feel bad for Aziz. Oh yeah, it's his first movie. And he's trying to do this. Then, I mean, I think all the crew should be getting paid right now because they're contracted to work these days. Yeah. So they should be getting paid, but you got to feel bad for a lot of the people involved. Anyway, Rob, you read this story and you hear about it. What are the thoughts that come to your mind? Well, you know, I, I boy, it's a tough... For me, it's tough. Because from a producing standpoint, I, I'm only thinking about the crew. I'm thinking about Aziz. I'm thinking about the movie at hand. I'm thinking about the millions of dollars of investment that's gone into this project. I'm also thinking about the fact that Humor in this day and age, there's a lot of people that object strenuously to certain brands of humor. And Bill Murray is not exactly, I mean, it's not just his movie roles, it's his off-camera persona too when he shows up like behind the behind the bar at some country club where someone's having a wedding and suddenly he's just part of the wedding. You know, he does crazy stuff all the time and he says crazy things. And I wonder sometimes if there's generational issues with comedy people not understanding certain things and they misconstrue something as something else i've seen that happen before we have somebody has to step in and go yo but in this case it leads me to believe that there has to be something more serious going on because they did pull the plug so it wasn't just maybe him making an off-color remark or dipping his doritos and different you know double dipping something here happened that has substance and in order to make sure that nothing untoward occurred or to clarify what happened, I think Searchlight stepped in and they made a tough decision and they said, we're going to look into this. Right thing to do, I think, especially in this day and age. So it leads to me to believe that there's something's going on. I think the studios handle it correctly. John, it might happen that, you know what, we looked into this. It might have been a misunderstanding. It wasn't whatever. We can move forward now. Yes. But... But maybe it isn't, and we don't know. You know, this is the second high-profile project that's been shut down. The other was uh, The House of Usher with Frank Langella, who was the star. I love Frank Langella. 85-year-old Frank Langella was also... He got recast. He got recast, fired for inappropriate behavior on set. Um, And uh, it's never good when this happens. But this kind of thing, the industry has to be sensitive. We've been going through a sea change for the last couple of years. It is long time coming. And I think that uh, ultimately it will lead to a better set atmosphere. But 
obviously not a great i hope that aziz more than anything i hope this cast and crew gets to go forward and make the movie aziz ansari wanted to make yeah so i think we can sit here and hope i think we all are i think what we're all hoping is is that this is something relatively minor this is an example this is a situation where the studios is saying you know what we don't want to later just ignore this now and complete production and then be accused of not taking something seriously and that we we did our due diligence and we found out it wasn't that severe maybe a little some i hope i hope it doesn't end up being something more serious i hope it doesn't upend their movie because at this point they're already halfway through shooting if they have to go back in and reshoot half of it that's a big hit for a relatively small movie so let's just all keep our fingers crossed that it, it ends up being nothing too bad I mean, because somebody else was pointing out in the live chat too i mean like bill murray's also had a, a history of broken relationships even his ghostbusters castmates right in him have had broken relationships and like i i don't know i hope it's nothing serious i just want to give credit i've always been a fan of searchlight i mean now they're owned by disney kudos to the studio for stepping in quickly and addressing this situation got it got to hand it to them for that yeah and, and hopefully and you know what this might work out the the best for bill murray because if they stop production and say they looked into it and say okay we gave it the proper attention and we deem that it's actually not all out of the bad that's probably better for bill murray than just rushing through production than having it hanging over his head 100 you know what i mean so this is of course assuming hopefully fingers crossed that it's nothing all that serious anyway guys question is for you what do you think about this situation? Aziz Ansari finally doing his directorial debut. Studio pulls the plug on it halfway through, hauls things up because of an accusation that we still don't know what it is against Bill Murray. Do you think it might be something serious? Do you hope it's maybe not? Maybe this will just all blow over. What are you guys thinking? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With all that down, I very quietly about 30 seconds ago turned on the Super Chats. So the Super Chats are now open. So we're going to go over and we're going to start taking the Super Chats that have come in. So we are going to get things started off here with uh, Gamers Unite just sent in a Super Chat to be supportive. Thank you, Gamers Unite. Uh, Pelican Mike sends in a Super Chat just to be supportive. Thank you, Pelican Mike. Ben Rayner writes, "Uh, nice that you got a Zoe Deschanel on the panel. Just kidding. Uh, LOL. Oh, yeah, she does. This picture does kind of make her look like Zoe Deschanel a little bit, doesn't she? I love that picture of Chris, as a matter of fact. Uh, anyway, uh, Chris really looks like Zoe in that picture. Have fun in Vegas, John. How does it feel to be going there with your own team this time? I got to tell you what. I First of all, I love going to Vegas. I love going to Vegas. I really, though, Vegas is much more fun. Uh, Vegas is like sex. It's way more fun with more people. Like uh, it's, it's wait, what are you saying? <laughs> wait, what? It's fine to go solo, but it's even better with more. No, it it really feels great to be going with the team this time. Like a couple of years ago, two times ago, uh, you know, Rob and I went to go cover the event last year. Uh, it was just me and Aaron went to go cover the event this year. Being able to take like the whole team to go uh, is really exciting and really great. You've and just it, given a whole new meaning to take one for the team. Hey, That's all I'm saying. What happens in Vegas, baby? This is our aviation shot of the show. And Ray and I are bunking together. I can't wait to see what that has. That's going to be great. You guys are splitting rooms. Anyway, okay, let's keep things going here. Uh, Next up, we've got uh, Jay Master, who sends in a $50 Super Chat to be supportive. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate that, man. And I fortunately, i got to turn off the Super Chats. We've already completely filled up. We've more than overfilled. I've got to turn it off. Okay, Uh, Jay Master writes, 
Uh, and again, a $50 super chat to support the channel. Thank you, Jay. We really appreciate that, man. Uh, hey, John, a Disney official announced yesterday that the Old Man series starring Jeff Bridges will premiere on FX on July 17th. The series was announced back in December of 2020 during Disney Investors Day, along with Shogun and Alien on FX. Dude, I totally forgot about that project. <laughs> I totally forgot about it. I, I don't even remember anything about it. I mean, even just reading you saying that, Jay, I'm vaguely think I remember something. I mean, obviously, I, I remember very much them talking about Shogun and talking about Alien. Yeah, and where are those projects? Yeah. Well, we you know, know Shogun's I, you, I think, in production, I, I think you and I are really excited for Shogun. I'm so excited Dude. for Shogun. Like, it, it's easily, and I, I say this all seriousness, it is my number one most anticipated thing coming out on television over the next few years. Don't get me wrong, super excited about Obi-Wan, super excited about a lot of stuff with the MCU, very excited about a couple of the DC things they got coming, yada, yada, yada. Shogun is absolutely my number one most exciting thing the first, right now. The first miniseries is one of my most favorite things that's ever aired. Shogun, I, Claudius, and the Winds of War were my, my miniseries jam. And this is this is going to, I'm just Shogun, so excited about Ajisan. that. Uh, but anyway, uh, Old mm. Man series is Jeff Bridges. Mm. Know nothing about it other than the fact that it was mentioned before. So let's see what that turns out to be. Again, uh, Jay Master, thank you so much for supporting our channel on that level, man. Appreciate that very much. All right. Next up, we got Chris Miner. And Chris Miner writes, uh, thoughts on Twister? Cheesy, but fun for me. I think Twister's a fun little movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Like, we all agree, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, totally ridiculous, and but it, totally it, fun. It changed the course of movie trailers forever. Mm. The final shot of that trailer... Every trailer after that for years had to do something. Any yeah. action adventure had to have that little tag. I think that was movie. the very first natural disaster movie that I was exposed to. Because yeah, the, well, the, the volcano ones came out before it. I think like Dante's Peak. Oh, volcano! volcano. I, know, I don't that think was the they might have come out after. I don't know. You think? I don't know. Ray, can you look up what what year uh, Dante's Peak came out? What year Twister came out? Yeah, I, I thought Dante's Peak came out first. You might be right. All I right. don't know. Let's keep moving on here. Uh, Film Code writes: Show name idea. CWPA critics with positive attitudes. New day. New day. That's, I, I don't. I don't hate that one. Film Code. I don't, I'm going to tell you right now. Film Code. I don't hate Dante's that one. Dante's Peak '97, and then what else were we looking for? Oh, it's Twister. Twister, got, Twister may have come out after '97. Actually, you might be right. '96 Twister. Twister came same out time, first. But you were, they, they were same time though. They were close, but you were right. Let, take the win. But you were right. I, no, what about Volcano? <laughs> Volcano. I think, I think it was after Dante's Peak. Okay. I see. can't remember which one came out. By first. the way, bro. The way I love and you love Armageddon. Volcano '97 as well. Yeah, that that came that that came yeah. out around the same time. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Volcano fan. Natural disaster movies are because they they destroy La Brea. I love that. That's why you love the show La Brea so much. Oh, dude, we both love the show. <laughs> we La Brea. won't we won't go there. All right, next up, Chuck the Mystery writes. Uh, last day in the new garage. Here we are. Uh, congrats. <laughs> Crucial question for each of you. John, favorite Funko you own. Rob, favorite hot toy. Ray, favorite food to cook. I think, honestly, my favorite Funko, Funko is... Um, I want to say my Indiana Jones. Uh, I want to say my Indiana Jones. That's pretty dope. Actually holding the idol in his hand and the whip and all that. But, honestly... I think my favorite ones are the first ones I ever owned. They're ones that Ray got for me. They were the supernatural Funko Pops. I think those are my those are the first ones. That's what got me hooked on them. What's your favorite hot toy you have, Rob? Well, my that's like picking your favorite child. Well, no, but it was it really was the Vito Corleone hot toy that they made about ten years ago. But 
Damn Toys recently came out with new Vito Corleones. They came out with one where he's in the uh, tuxedo and one where he's in the the uh, tweed or the the wool where he gets shot. And then when he dies at the end of the movie. So I don't know. I might have. To, I, I, I really do love my Iron Man Mark 85 armor from Endgame. Yeah, that was good. Ray, what's your favorite food to cook? You know, I haven't made it in a long time, but there's this crispy beef that I make where it's like a long process. You made that for Ann and I once. Uh, Yeah, it's like a long process, but I love what comes out of it. It's like you have to, like, cut the beef super thin and then put some cornstarch, deep fry it, and then in another pan, you know, you get the peppers and then put the sauce together Dude, and then flip right the now. beef in it. You're killing me. But, it's so good. It's so it's juicy. Uh, it's- yeah. But the best thing I like is just throwing some onions or garlic in a pan while it's hot. That's my favorite thing to cook because the aroma of it just smells so good throughout the house. You know uh, what do I mean? you ever just pour it into a glass and just drink that? <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got, that was Chuck the Mystery. Uh, Glenn Mark writes, New beginnings come from another beginning's end. A day comes uh, when turning the page into a new chapter is the best feeling uh, because you realize there is more to the book than the page you've been on. Again, yeah, leave it. It's Again, look, the reality is we've only been in this room for a little over a year. Year and two months, year and three months. Haven't been in here that long, but it was just that I really thought we were going to be in here for a long time and it was really a, a place to put us in a position to grow more to go into the new spot so it's it's kind of cool that way I, i'm excited to see what this room is going to become home you have theater, so many baby. options yeah you got the ultimate home theater space so, here you know what we were going to turn this room into a home theater we we're going to put a big screen oh, yeah man. we were going to get this oh, this uh short throw 4k uhd projector the whole bit but the more we thought about it was you know it's only seven steps from our main living room with a big tv in the living room yeah, does it really make sense to so we're just going to grow that? marijuana then right lots of weed i mean i i threw the idea by <laughs> Anne. this actually would be kind of the, a great hydroponic farm i mean you could get the you could get some dope grow lights That's in here five money <laughs> i'm the one who knocks campy as um, dank nugs man you could sell that stuff franchise it uh, i actually threw the idea by Anne about throwing a pool table in here a, like a pool table, a, a, couple game, of arc, a, a couple of arcade, a couple of arcade games, but a pool table that we could then have as a co- put a cover on it and make it a role playing game room as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean I don't know a game room. This could break be a dancing great, room, break dancing studio. <laughs> I need my studio, man. All right, we got turn it into there. a discotheque. That probably won't work. Uh, Disco right. ball right in the middle. Never lose your nerd rights. Uh, going to see the Northman Sunday. I didn't like the lighthouse or the witch. Hopefully, I love it, but. <laughs> Uh, but if not, maybe Edgar's movies just aren't for me. You know what? I'm going to go on a limb here. Never lose your nerd. If I know a lot of people who liked the witch, but didn't necessarily like the lighthouse. Listen, i still don't know what that movie was about. I mean, I like the movie, but man, it was a mind F. I, I still don't really know what the hell was going on, but I feel pretty safe in saying this. If you didn't like either the witch or the lighthouse, I'd say there's a solid 90% chance you won't like the Northman either. You got to respect him for at least giving the director a chance. Yeah, that many yeah, chances. Yeah, I mean, I I respect this guy for or girl for uh, giving someone that many chances because some people, they one and done. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but, but I'm saying if you didn't like either of those two films, because this is very much an Eggers film. So I, I don't know. I'd be, let me know if you do end up watching it. And if you did like, it. I'd be very curious to hear about that. All right. Uh, thanks for writing that in, Never Illusion Nerd. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, Ritwick writes, hello, John, Rob, Ray, uh, still Chris, name recommendations. Cinecrunch, C-Screens, Cine Stub TV, Pop Crunch, Cine Watch TV, Cine Compass, Watch Pop, um, uh, Watch Pop Compass, Screen Squad, Watch Quads, Screen Directs, uh, Watch Hut, Feel Real. Uh, I hope you like them. Here's the thing, though. First of all, thank you for so many suggestions, Ritwick. I appreciate that, man. I'd say 95% of the name suggestions that people email to me all the time either have the word screen, cine, or uh, screen, cine, or... Well, we're not. I'd say about ninety-five percent of the recommendations come have screen or Cine something. I, I, I in did it. like Cine Squad for a, but I think it yeah. reminds me of Cinnabun. That's why we're superheroes. The Cine Squad is coming for you. But a little corny. But I do like the sound of it. I yeah, mean, it does got a nice sound too. Thank you for so many recommendations. What the Cine Squad. All right. Next up, we got uh, Admin who writes was thinking of starting uh, a movie reviews blog and found a cool name a couple of weeks ago, but I think it could work for this show. Fetch the popcorn. A lot of them have popcorn in it too. A lot of the names have popcorn in there too. That's what makes it such a struggle because I'm really, I don't want it to come up with a name that's just going to make, make it sound like just another. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least the good thing about the John Campy show is that, I mean, that's completely unique. Um, I just want to get my name out of the title, but I, I don't know. That's that could be good for you though, admin. Let's I, hold on to that. Don't be giving that one away. Maybe you should hold on to the one for yourself. All right, Pelican Mike writes, John, my show name suggestion, one that's not movie specific and has a connection to the show, as you've said in the past, the virtual water cooler. Here's the thing. I don't think that rolls off the tongue, but that is totally connection. We talk about gathering around the virtual water cooler all the time. So actually, it's a really good. Again, I don't know if it's a catchy name, but the really, idea like, is, the, in, is sound. The thought process behind the name yeah. is very sound, though. Anyway, yeah, yeah. thanks for writing that in, Pelican Mike. All right. Next up, uh, Elizabeth Gerardo writes in. Uh, watched Massive Talent yesterday, and I loved it. It's so funny and very meta, but not in a shtick sort of way. I couldn't care. Uh, I couldn't care for Ike's and Tiffany's characters. Uh, there's that. All in all, it's great. Look, I'm probably going to go see this tomorrow night. But our friend Kevin Rubio uh, shared a clip online that they put out that makes me respect this movie, even though I haven't seen it yet. Makes me respect this movie so much. It's a scene that they've made public. This isn't a spoiler because they've made the scene publicly available now. It's a scene where um, Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage are sitting around talking. Nicolas Cage goes, says, listen, quit avoiding the question. Just answer me. What is your third favorite movie of all time? Pedro Pascal's like, fine. Paddington 2. And Cage is like, Paddington 2? And then there's a smash cut to the two of them sitting on a couch watching a TV and Nicolas Cage is in tears because this movie is beautiful. This is one of the greatest movies ever made. I'm like, oh my God, does this Nicolas Cage movie pay honor and homage to Paddington 2? A movie I've been telling people for years is the best damn movie that gets no damn respect. Damn right, Paddington 2 is one of the great films of all time. Oh, now I'm really excited to see this movie. I didn't tell <laughs> Anne about that line either. I'm going to save yeah, that. Yeah, don't tell her. Anne's going to burst into tears when when they mention Paddington 2. I'm telling you. All right. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Elizabeth. I can't wait to see it myself. K Major writes, 
Um, hey, John, you missed this comment yesterday. When I first saw Gandalf's death, I thought that was it. Fellowship over. Uh, he was their rock and they all knew it. The hobbits grieving over him got me in the fields, especially Frodo. I thought we did talk about this, but at any rate, K-Major, so... I mean, look, for a lot of people who never saw, who never read the Lord of the Rings books when this movie came out, that must have been a very disturbing moment. As he says, fly, you fools, and falls down into the pit and is gone, and he doesn't come back till the next movie. But he doesn't come back. I mean, that. Well, technically, Gandalf the Grey is gone forever. Gandalf the White returns. Yeah, name change doesn't make a new character. <laughs> Name name change in a ro- wardrobe. Oh, wait, did change. I spoil anything for you? No, no, okay. no. Okay, no. But which is funny because then a lot of people were like, what the F when the trailers for The Two Towers came out and Gandalf's in the trailers for The Two Towers. A lot of people was like, wait a minute. That was in the books. I mean, but no, like really that was so important because, yeah, he was, though nobody ever said it, he was clearly the leader of the fellowship. He was the guiding force of the fellowship. He was the one making the decisions. And, you know, when they were trying to decide which way do we go down each of these three caves, they were just waiting on Gandalf to make a decision. I mean, so that was a huge, huge pivotal moment in there, K-Major, no doubt about it. All right, next up, James L.H. writes, "Uh, Hi, John, the U.K. release of Everything Everywhere. Uh, One of the directors tweeted, Sorry for the wait, U.K. cinemas, May 13th, see you soon, uh, just after Doctor Strange. That's awesome. By the way, a movie that opened to $5 million has now crossed the $20 million mark internationally this little indie film that could cross the 20 million dollar mark keep it going guys i this is get out and see everything everywhere all at once what a great success story such a good success story i want to see this thing keep going it is in my opinion the best movie of the year so far uh we'll see how that holds up but yeah keep supporting that movie guys all right thanks for writing that in james next up we've got uh dennis williams who writes Hey, John, please, please, please let Rob have a Star Trek show. No, that's not going to happen. Also, <laughs> name idea for said show, Go Boldly Go, boldly go, followed by episode name, Bring on the Filthy. There are two reasons, I will tell you right now, why I will not let Rob have a Star Trek show on this channel. <laughs> One, I, I, I can only have, listen, I, we, we can only have so much bitching and complaining, you know, there's a quota. But honestly, and, and I think you agree, I just don't think there's the audience for it to, to, to have its own show. I mean, we're not even doing a Star Wars show right now. Yeah, to be fair, there's so many other Star Trek shows on yes. the web. I'm already on a, I, I frequently guest on a podcast called The Inglorious Trexperts. Right. Scott Mance has an incredible Star Trek podcast uh, called Enterprise Incidents. Uh, Roddenberry, Rod Roddenberry's company, does a uh, Star Trek podcast that's hosted by a guy named John Campion. John Champion. I say Campion like Campion. (laughs) John Champion, another great... uh, Holly Amos is on that, who I knew from uh, Paramount. Another great Star Trek podcast. So there's many. And if I was going to do one... I've thought about doing a, a Star Trek show with my girlfriend, uh, Elizabeth, where we would look at it from a couple's perspective. So that would be an interesting way in, like, how how can guys and girls watch Star Trek together? But And, and to say, there there is a chance you and I may do a post-show on Strange New Worlds. Yeah. 
Uh, we may do a, a post of open spoiler discussion on straight. I mean, we're going to probably watch the first episode and decide, but we may do that. And if we did that, you would not hear me go. That show sucks. No, we. I would. I would want to give cogent, clear analysis and make it. But that's why we'd watch the first episode first. Yeah. yeah. If, if we don't like it, that's the thing. I won't do. You know, the reason I uh, there was one of the big moments of controversy in my career was when I ditched doing the Arrow After Show. It's like, why did you stop doing the Arrow After Show? Well, because I didn't like the direction the show was going and, and I wasn't really enjoying it anymore. So what, you'll only do after shows of shows you enjoy? Yeah, obviously. Who wants to tune in and watch an after show where someone's just going to bitch and complain? Like, that's because that's all I would have done. I would have just bitched and yeah. complained every week about it. So, like, who wants to tune in and watch that? And by the way, I don't want to watch the show anymore because I don't enjoy it anymore. So, but if we like, like, I think both you and I agree that it it, it looks like it has promise. Yeah. If the first episode of Strange New World is, is pretty solid, you could, we'll probably do a, Look, a post game. Look, I, I save it. all my Star Trek bitching for Twitter. <laughs> I think I'm convinced that they made Twitter just so I'd have a place to bitch about Star Trek. All right. Next up. Uh, where do we got? We got Sal who just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you so much, Sal. I'm not even going to try to say your last name because I'll totally butcher it and I want to be respectful. Uh, so thank you so much for that, dude. Our friend Chef Rigo writes in, have fun in Vegas. Hope to see you guys next week. You know what? I think it would probably get one after maybe our second or third day of shooting. We should look to going down to Shogun and finally get our meal in there. Don't tease Chef Rigo. We got to <laughs> we got to sign contracts now. We, we do badly want to go. Though. Like we badly. want. I mean, to go. Chef Rigo sh- supports us like every day. Yeah, we got to get down there. We got it. We got and the, the food is amazing there. It's really good. And he's very, very good at it. All right. Uh, Wu Tang twenty nine oh five writes. Ooh. Hey, John and crew, have you been to Halloween Horror Nights? If so, what was your favorite house? Thanks, love the show. Yeah, we go to. We didn't go this year, but we have gone every year up until the pandemic. We've even taken Ray. We've actually shot some videos and put some videos up online in years past. Uh, I really like it. The Stranger, Th- Stranger Things. Uh, they do one, a really good job. Yeah, they do a really good job. Of the, strange, the, the whole experience of Halloween Horror Nights is really, really good. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend it, people, if you've never done it before. Pay Listen, save up all year if you have to. Pay the extra money to get to the fast pass. Or what do they call it? Not fast pass, express lane. I think it's called express lane. Save up the extra money all year if you have to to get the express lane. Because we went one year and we got through three mazes. The next year we bought the express pass and we did like 14 like we did everything wow. and so, like it was just it was a completely different experience so save up the extra money and get that if you can all right blue j writes hey john what is your most cherished memory from this studio <sighs> from this studio a, a little bit of a cop one is to say moving into it i mean this was such a big step up over the last studio i was in um the little space I don't know. I, I think like <laughs> well, maybe your batteries. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys don't see them, but I, I one of my favorite things I, I did in this studio. Pretty dope, by the was way. Was about two months. I think it was about two months ago. Mm. I converted the studio to run completely on solar power, except for the recessed lighting in here. That I don't. But everything, all the computers, the monitors, the cameras, the air conditioner. Everything in the studio about two months ago, I bought some solar panels, threw them up on my patio roof, just ran a cable along the roof and plugged them into these two solar power generator batteries. I thought you were crazy. I'm like, that's never going to work. And here we are. And right now we've got the air conditioner on. We've got a TV, two 32-inch monitors, three 27-inch monitors, a laptop, five cameras, 
three lights all running off of solar right now. And Amazing. That was, that was And now that we're moving into our new studio, these batteries in the solar is going to be dedicated now 100, 100% of the time, 24-7, to charging um, our cars. Our uh, Ann and I both have a Tesla, and we're, we're just going to use these things to charge the cars now all the time. So, But that was pretty good. But honestly, I think it's probably the day Ray did his Nemoidian thing. I mean, I, I have I, I haven't laughed so hard like ever. or when Dude, you played your guitar. I heard that was good. Playing the guitar on screen for was me because I was here. I'll agree with you, though. We lost people were taking pictures of us making memes. Oh, we lost it. Dude, that was that was that was beyond hilarious. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. All right. Next up here. Um, Let's see where are we at. We're at Gnome who writes, uh, will there be another mailbag this week? Uh, one went up this morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, we put it up last night for those of you who are members of our channel, by the way, to all of you guys who are channel members. Thank you so much for being channel member, guys. We appreciate that very much. Also, I want to add to that. As soon as we get moved in, I, I'm i going to have a whole array of emojis, new emojis. I know people have been waiting for them and, and I, you guys deserve them. So yeah, I'll well, get we a whole... told the members. We told the members when we started up that, hey, we, give us until we move into the new studio to, to get some other things going. But but yes, that that mailbag that went up last night for our members, it got made public smart because, of course, our members get early. Access By the way, I just want to point out that that was the first official show that I did for my own new studio. Right. That is in a complete state of discombobulation. Nothing is. But where now it's people get to, to see it progress. Yes, but I mean, you it, even it, it's because in my old studio with all my bookcases up, it deadens the sound like you have in here. The sounds echoing. I mean, it, it was. I, I didn't want to do it in there, but I couldn't do it in my house because the dogs are now all in there, which I did. A, but that was the first thing I did in my new environment. So a lot of newness coming. The guys. newness is coming. A lot of newness. All right. Uh, next, but yes, no, my new, new, new one is up, went up this morning. All right, Ahmed uh, H. Hassan writes, Hangover Part 4, bring on the filthy, enjoy Vegas. Is this the real Caesar's Palace? And we are seeing it. You know what was so adorable? When I mentioned, when I said, yeah, we're, we're going to go to Vegas and it's going to be held uh, It's going to be held at Caesar's. And Aaron, or uh, 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 Chris said, asked, but where, where are we going to stay? I said, no, we're going to stay right in Caesar's. Remember how del- how her just face lit up? We're staying in Caesars. I'm like, yeah, we're staying in Caesars. That's trouble, man. It comes in pints. <laughs> That's so it trouble. Comes in pints. Comes in pints. I'm getting I'm one. I'm getting one. <laughs> that that forum shops is trouble for me. Keep me away from there. Oh, dude, there's so many cool things in that shop. Yeah, I'll rules. spend more money Caesars there. So good. Come on, man. That's where Evil Knievel jumped the fountains back in the 70s. The restaurants in there are great. They got great. a really great poker room. Uh, I mean, it's Caesars is the rooms are great. I really love it. It's going to be a lot of fun. All a right. lot of sleep for me. <laughs> You're not going to get a lot of sleep. <laughs> I we know a lot of work. To uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, we're, we're, it's it's people are saying fun, but it's going to be a lot of work. I'm going to find some indie theater owners. We're going to party in the room. We'll make dude. sure we'll make sure we have a lot of fun, too. I, th- I think we'll, we'll get we'll get it. I'll get you know what? I'll get our VIP rep to book us maybe a table in a club. We can just go have some drinks, hang out, have fun, then go back and work later. But I think we'll have a nice mixture of a lot of fun and a lot of work. I want to go on that Ferris wheel. Don't they have that giant Ferris wheel? <laughs> yeah, that's not me, Rob. Yeah. No, I know it's not. I know, but it's in Vegas. Yeah, yeah no. So what? What it is? It's a big room. Like it's not a pod that you sit in. Every pod on this giant Ferris wheel that goes over the Sunset Strip. Oh no, thanks. Not the Sunset. The, the Hollywood Strip. No, the Hollywood Strip. <laughs> the the Vegas. Vegas Strip is a giant room with a bar. Oh no. And it's an hour, I think it's like an hour to go all yeah, the way around. Come on, dude. We got to do it. Come do on. you need to be in the air to do that? 
No, thank well, you. Yes. <laughs> yes, because when you go into a higher altitude, al- alcohol affects you differently. Come I'll, on, let's be it, buddy. No. Yeah, I don't know that I could get on that either. I have a fear of heights. That's more reason to go. Yeah. Oh, jeez. All right, let's, your fear. let's keep going here. Uh, next up, uh, Alex Matta writes, Hey, John, have you heard that Loki composer Natalie Holt has been brought on to do Obi-Wan? Oh, I did not, but I like the music in Loki. I do too. I mean, obviously she's going to take a lot of John Williams stuff and do some adaptation to Isn't it. Isn't he doing, a, didn't John, is John Williams recording the theme? Wasn't he? Yes. I think yeah. doing the main thing for Obi-Wan. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Rolando SJ writes, bring on the blockade. <laughs> didn't you mention that yesterday? Yeah. Something about the blockade. I actually thought of one. What do you guys think about you view media with a U and view? Like U V I E W U view media like U V U view is not bad. The reason I don't like me like a buddy of mine sent me this thing called Big IP Media. The thing is, the name of the company is Carson Drive Media, and so that doesn't sound like the name of a channel. It sounds like the name of a company, mm. and we already got a good company name. Like I love my company name. My the company name has sentimental value to me. But uh, I don't know. There's a lot of ideas there. Yeah. All right, next up. I guess that one sucked. <laughs> no, no, listen. I haven't come up with yeah, a, a really nice way of saying, you yeah, that sucked. You view isn't bad. He didn't say suck. Uh, Big D Studios Entertainment sends in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Big D. And Big D writes, thank you for everything you do. You guys truly do a great job. Thank you, man. Uh, film is my number one passion, and to be a part of the conversation is always a great time. I'm excited to come along with you uh, on this new chapter of the new studio. Well, thank you so much, Big D. And listen, I, I'm not being facetious when I say this. I say this all the time, but it's absolutely true. I, this has been a journey of the entire community, like the, the entire community that we, we have here, the journey that started with, well, me all the way back to me starting my little website called the movie blog and then transitioning to AMC and then transitioning that to Collider and then deciding to leave Collider and not have a boss anymore and work for myself and, you know, doing what I was doing there. And then slowly, but surely we've been growing and listen, we're, we're getting numbers now that are starting to be comparable to the numbers that we used to get at AMC and Collider. When everybody said, I've kept the emails. <laughs> I've got I've got a label on my Gmail that is specifically just labeled doubters. Wow. And every message I got from people when I was leaving, telling even from friends of mine who meant well, they were they thought they were just trying to look out for me. And then they were best of intentions just trying to look out yeah. for me. To, to people who were haters, saying, you're never going to work. You're going to go crawling back, begging for your job back within a month, and all this kind of stuff. And I keep, I keep all of them. Here we are. And it, it hasn't been my journey. It's been the journey of all of us doing this. And the way the community has kept this thing going and made it grow. And, and it's just like, you guys are the reason we have so much fun every day getting in here. Cause we look, we legitimately, we talk about this over lunch. We legitimately can't wait to start streaming and start interacting with Dude, the community it, and be a part of the community. For those of you who aren't in, in this room, it's hilarious to be in here. You were right. Get back into the studio <laughs> and having Aaron and Chris and Ray and John it's, I, I've, I don't think I've ever had so much fun at a job. If you call it this a job. This, it's hilarious. We we just have a great time doing this. So thank you for that, guys. And thank you for sending that in, Big D Studio. All right, Hunt359 writes, uh, Afternoon, everyone. Show title ideas. Here we go. Multimedia Entertainment, A Love Story. <laughs> That's not bad. 
something like that. Uh, or and now some words before our sponsor. I like. I kind of somebody. That's actually a me, clever name. Now some words uh, before us uh, before our sponsor. I I like the idea of what they write in. Um, uh, with that down, somebody wrote in and say, "What about with that down?" Right. Because I do have the with that down. Let's move on to that. all right. So thanks for the ideas, hunt. All right, Mark uh, Gommens writes. Yay! Seeing the Northman tomorrow and got my tickets for Doctor Strange 2 on Wednesday, May the 4th. Also, Rob, I pre-ordered the Moon Knight and Scarlet Witch Hot Toys. Good. Uh, Do they have the, pre- the, the pre-orders for the uh, Moon Knight? Alex? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, but it's, again, you're not going to see it for a year and a half. The Scarlet Witch, though, the Scarlet Witch, if memory serves, is coming soon? And is that's, this a WandaVision uh, yeah, Scarlet Witch? Yeah, it's the, the final version, the Scarlet Witch. And they're also doing a white vision oh, and nice. a regular vision. And those, I think, are coming soon. You know what's supposed to come out that I pre-ordered was the Val Kilmer, Chris O'Donnell, uh, Batman Forever figures. Which, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I ordered, ordered those because they look cool. Um, all right, guys. Hey, listen, we still have a lot more of your questions and everything to get to here. We're going to do that. But first... A word from our sponsors, the great folks over at Keeps. Hey, guys, we want to take a minute and thank the sponsor of today's video, the good folks at Keeps. Now, look, you guys probably already know that two out of every three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're just 35 years old. Now, that's where Keeps comes in because Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. That means the guys that use it love it. Keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair. It's also low cost. Treatments start as low as just $10 per month, and Keeps offers generic versions for the two FDA-approved medications to prevent hair loss. That means treatment plans are affordable, typically half the cost of pharmacy prices. Keeps has everything your hair needs delivered straight to your door with discreet packaging and proven results. Remember, prevention is the key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so the sooner you act, the better. When it comes to your hair, save more, spend less with Keeps. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps, that's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Campia to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's Keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Campia to get your first month free. Keeps dot com slash Campia. And thank you to the good folks at Keeps for making this episode of the John Campia Show possible with their sponsorship. Guys, once again... You support us by supporting our sponsors. We got links with the Campy code in there, right down in there. When you go and support them, you're supporting us. And thank you to all of our sponsors today for making this show possible. All right, let's keep on rolling here. Next up, we got Mark. And by the way, Mark, enjoy Northman. I hope you have a great time at that, man. All right, My Comic Planet writes, I love the Northman, John. No spoilers. All I'm going to say is that conversation between Nicole Kidman and Alexander Skarsgård's characters, wow. I'm going to say this. Holy shit. There is a scene in this movie. This isn't a spoiler. There are two characters in the movie, Nicole Kidman and Skarsgård, and there's a scene where they talk to each other. Um, <laughs> that scene is one of the most riveting and what-the-fuck moment scenes I've seen in a movie all year. It's, wow. It's, it's, it's the best scene of the movie. It's the best scene of the movie. And it, 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 this is, I mean, there's a lot of violence and then, you know, Skarsgård, you know, stabby stabbies a lot of people. But uh, this, the best scene in the movie is no stabby stabby. It's just Nicole Kidman, Skarsgård in a room 
acting, having this conversation, and it's like one of the biggest WTF moments. Does heartbreak feel good in a scene like that? Heartbreak. I, I almost said something that I shouldn't because it might be considered a bit of a spoiler. All right, next. I'm glad you liked it, my comp plan. I had a really good time with it, too. All right, Ron H. writes, uh, percentage chance the fight that Feige eventually makes a cameo in an MCU film and becomes the next Stanley cameo reference uh, for all future MCU movies. Zero chance that he becomes the next Stanley thing. Kevin Feige is never going to say, I'm the next Stanley. Yeah, He's never no. going to do that. But does a cameo in one of the movies? Peter Jackson did that in Lord of the Rings. John Williams did a cameo in the last Star Wars movie. I think I think he'll do it just because he knows that the audience would probably get a big kick if, if you know, they just turn around and he's the guy serving the hot dog at the street vendor or something. I'll give a solid 70% chance we see him do just one quick cameo. I think the cameos will be taken over by the ones that aren't uh, doing the films anymore. Maybe Robert Downey, Chris Evans, if they're completely off the map. I think those are the cameos I think we will see. Yeah, but I don't mean a, a, just, a recurring cameo. I mean, like a one in one movie, one time, but uh, like, a, you know, like a small part and they're not even playing themselves, just a different person, you know, something like that. They'll be back in the MCU, though. Both both. Uh, Robert, I'm telling you, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans will be back as their characters. They will be back. I mean, Dr. Doolittle three sounding real good right now. <laughs> You're just skipping over two? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just go right to three. Just go right to three. All right. Next up, we got Jay Master, who sends in another $20 super chat. Thank you, Jay. And Jay writes in, hey, John, over under 10% at CinemaCon, Disney will show a preview or footage of the Marvels uh, February 17th, 2023, or Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, July 28th, 2023. What are your thoughts? Okay. I'm going to say zero chance about uh, Ant-Man. Because that there will be another yeah. CinemaCon before that Ant-Man. The Marvels? That, I think, yes. I think we'll probably see something. That comes something out when again? In February. Oh, okay. Which will be before the next CinemaCon. Yeah. So I, I think there's a... I didn't even think about that, but they probably will. I'll for, definitely go over 10%, way over 10% that we'll see something about that. For sure, Miss Marvel. For sure, Miss Marvel. Not, no, no, zero chance for Miss Marvel. Wait, is, does, that doesn't come out this year? Miss Marvel's going on to Disney Plus. Yeah, it's it's not in theaters. Oh, right. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so zero chance for Miss Marvel. But the Marvels, I go way over ten percent. You know, they all they always parade the stars out when they do this. Yes, do you think do. we're going to see all three of the Marvels, the ladies, Monica Rambeau and uh, Brie Larson? Yes. Yes. Three generations of marvelous ladies. I think all three of them will come out on stage. I think they... so, too. All right. All right. We'll see. We'll find out. They always surprise us with these things. All right. Thanks for running that in, Jay Mass. That's a good... That's, again, I'll take way over 10% on that, Jay. All right. Andy writes, one or two, the bad guys, Unbearable Weight, and Northman come out today. Over under 20%, their combined domestic box office crosses $70 million this weekend. Mm. Under. Yeah, I'm Sander. I they, think the number one movie this weekend is going to be um, The Bad Guys. It's a family film, animated, stuff like that. Like a lot of people in this community want to see Unbearable Weight. I don't hear from a lot of average film fans that are going to go see it. Hopefully word of mouth is good about it, and it does what uh, Everything Everywhere did. Uh, the Northman does not look like a movie. That's for a lot of people, so I don't expect it to do huge box office. But I'm going to say, combined, those three movies will make under $70 million. You know what, though, John? I'd like to point out that, including everything everywhere, we've got four original movies 
in theaters that are all exciting, all interesting. The Northman, the unbearable weight of massive talent, uh, the bad guys, and of course, everything everywhere all at once. I mean, what a great weekend for new uh movies let's yep. hope people who always complain about oh there's too many superhero movies the, ne- the next sequel that gets announced they'll, they'll, they'll still come out of the works but this uh, hollywood great. doesn't do anything original anymore and all of these movies have something to offer there's four oh, there's, really yeah. great original films out there so if you're a film fan what a great weekend to uh get to the movies i can't wait to see everything everywhere i'm so excited about that especially now that i saw the paddington 2 scene all right oh that was part one well we'll, we'll see if we get to part two there andy um Let's see. Uh, Sal B writes, good day, crew. Uh, Show name idea. The word or what's the word? I don't know. I know that does. That sounds like it could be anything. Grease is the word, John. Oh, yeah. Grease is the word. word Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want that. It's got feeling. I love Grease. Don't get me wrong. but I don't want our show to be so the motion. Uh, It's got you. Grease is the way we are feeling. This is a life of illusion. Damien Luneman writes. Uh, that X-Men theory gets more serious when you remember that Disney announced a new canon season of the animated X-Men show last year. Did they say it was canon? I think they said it was canon to the 92 cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know that has any connection to that, Damien, but I am very excited for that animated series. See how that turns out. I mean, of course, they, they announced that the Spider-Man animated series was canon which I didn't think it was going to be when they first announced it, but it, it, they confirmed it. It is. so, But I don't think that's the case with the X-Men one. All right, next up, Daniel Dog writes, uh, Gaius Baltar is the greatest TV character ever. I'm not going to say he's the greatest TV character ever, but I do love that character on Battlestar. He's so, by the way, the actor who played Gaius Baltar uh, just appeared on um, Picard. Picard as Picard's father. So he's he keeps popping up in there. I love that character. All right, Raphael Castillo writes. James Callis is his James Callis's name. Two seventies TV horror films on YouTube: The Gargoyles and the Trilogy of Terror. Rob, oh. uh, Rob is now picturing the evil doll. Dude, okay, both of those are great made-for-TV movies. I mean, the Zuni fetish doll in Trilogy of Terror. Uh, if you saw that as a kid, the two scariest things I saw on TV was that Trilogy of Terror. And the original Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. And uh, I have both of those. John, would you be surprised to know that I have both Trilogy of Terror and the original at, Don't at Be Afraid point, of the Dark? At this point, I'm just shocked and surprised yeah, that anything you say you Blu-ray. don't have. At just this saying. Point. All right. Next up, uh, we've got... Uh, thanks for that, Raphael. All right. Blake Feely writes, Netflix has a problem uh, with its tiers. $10 a month only gives you standard def. $15 gives you HD. $20 gives you 4K on four screens. Hosting SD content on your servers in 2022. Well, it's about giving consumers options. It's about giving consumers options. And I wouldn't be surprised to find out that I mean, I haven't seen the breakdown, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out that a good chunk of people use that tier. It's like, look, when everybody's complaining about the cost of it, and I still propose that when you consider what you're getting, $20 a month for the sheer volume of content you're getting on Netflix is still a value proposition. But a lot of people complain about the price. So to offer a $10 offer seems like a rational thing to do. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, Well, let's not forget that still the largest form of physical media, as far as movies go, is DVD, which is standard def. That's a big jump, though, from standard to 4K, $10. Yeah. 
that's a big jump that's even that's a little too much for me to be well honest. there's a lot more bandwidth yeah much larger bit of bandwidth um all right next up we've got uh jeremy one four four seven one three writes rob you pre-order jazz inc batmobile 22 and which one <sighs> Okay, what, what is Jazz one? Inc? Is that is okay. that a Hot Toys competitor? Jazz Inc. is a company out of the Netherlands, and they make uh, dioramas. Like they made a six scale Millennium Falcon cockpit, which, by the way, I have, and it's amazing. Uh, and they made <laughs> they make six scale Batmobiles. I've currently got on pre order their six scale sixty six Batmobile, their six scale Snowspeeder, their six scale Batwing from batman 89 and they just put up for pre-order their bat the batman 2022 batmobile and you can get it two different versions you can get it clean or you can get it weathered all right i ordered the clean one of course you did (laughs) it's gonna look awesome all right tim platt writes uh silence earthlings my name is darth vader i'm an extraterrestrial from the planet vulcan strongly suggesting my movie to be added to movie club uh, of course, they're talking about Back to the Future. Yeah, I, we've had a lot of people write in about Back to the Future. Back, like, two things I can say. We will do Back to the Future. We won't do Back to the Future 2 and 3. But uh, we will do Back to the Future at some point, Tim. Absolutely. All right, Jeffrey Niffin writes, uh, Do you think the reason Disney Plus and others don't put their content on Netflix uh, in other countries is because of VPN? Why bother subscribing when I can log into my Netflix account in Norway? No, I, I don't think that's that's the case. I just think, especially since back in the day when Marvel movies were all, all over the place, they made a decision. We're keeping all of our content in-house. Now, that's fine today when you have more global um you have more global reach today than you did. But I think there was a temporary point in time and that would have been a good idea because they told the world, hey, guys, we got this Mandalorian show coming when most people in the world couldn't watch it. Right. I think that would have been a good time to do this. But now that it's not everywhere, but that it is Disney Plus is now an option in more countries and they continue to spread. Now it becomes more valid for them to go, listen, we don't care. We want to keep everything in house, period. And uh, I don't see them changing that anytime soon. Do you? No. No. Just no. Just no. I All don't. Right. Uh, but at the time, it, it was a good idea. Now, I think it's good for them just to keep everything in-house. All right. Next up. Ryan Trabuco writes, Happy Friday, John and crew. Show name ideas. Soundstage 101. I don't mind the idea of just Soundstage. Soundstage is pretty that's, good. That's not a bad name. That's a pretty good title. Um, or Studio City 101. No, no, not because we live close to Studio City. So uh, gives off the imagery that you're on set. The 101 sounds like it can't be a classroom. And a nod to 101 Freeway near Hollywood. That's actually true. The 101 Freeway right in there. I used to have to take that almost every day. Uh, love the show. Thank you so much, Ryan. I don't mind the name of Soundstage. Uh, someone just either. took it. <laughs> yeah, now 18 the, people just registered the domain name. The soundstage. The soundstage. Yeah. Uh, I heard a pretty good one yesterday that somebody sent to me, but okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it on the show because I don't want anybody to take it just in case I want. I'll tell you guys about it over lunch. We'll though. sell you the name. Yeah, I'll tell you guys about it over but lunch. But leave the mics on when you tell us. <laughs> at lunch. I'll tell you at lunch. Uh, and by the way, Ryan Tabruco sent that in with a $20 super chat to support us Trabuco. on that level. Thank you, Ryan, so much for that, man. I appreciate that. And the sounds, I'm going to keep that one in mind. I'm going to keep soundstage in mind. Thanks for that, man. Uh, all right, Stubble McShave writes, um, there isn't a scene of levity in the Northmen. Uh, this is a good thing. A wacky sidekick or a funny stumble 
uh, would have broken the spell the movie cast. Well, I mean, it, it all depends. Uh, and by the way, no, you're wrong. I think of one scene that my, my audience that I saw with had a pretty good laugh at, as a matter of fact. But for the most part, but that's pretty typical Robert Edgar's, right? Not a lot of Bella laughs in The Witch. No. <laughs> no, not a lot of that. Um, or, I mean, for some movies, that's true. For some movies, that's not applicable. For a, a strong um, psychological revenge film, yeah, a, a big moment of levity would be different. But that's the type of movie it is. It's like saying, you know, our, our rated should be this. No, no, no. It depends on the movie. The runtime should be this. No, no, no. It depends on the movie. Should, it, should certain movies have good moments of last? Well, it depends on the movie. This one is really structured like a lot of Edgar's films to not have that. But there was one very big laugh moment, at least in my theater, for, for that. All right. Next up. Uh, this is Andy's 202 from earlier. Uh, I say under because despite people talking much about how Hollywood doesn't make original movies, they won't go out and support these original movies. So Andy was the one, I believe, who wrote in asking if we think these three films will make over $70 million. And again, I, I agree. I think it's under. It's not just that they're original movies. Let's face it. The Northman is clearly not crafted to appeal to the mass audience, right? It's just not a, made to appeal to the mass audience. Neither is everything everywhere all at once. Uh, neither is the unbearable weight of massive talent. That is clearly not made for everybody. And the bad guys, I said this since last CinemaCon, because they did a big preview for us at CinemaCon last year. I didn't think it looked very good. And they haven't marketed it much. Yeah. So, I mean, so there's so part of what you're saying, Andy, I think is true. But then there's other factors as well. But we both agree, I think it's going to be under $70 million. All right. Uh, Super Wonder Bat writes... Uh, one or two. Hi, John. I just decided what I want to do in life. A film slash video game critic for a website. My question for you is, where did you learn the language and techniques of film review? Just talking to my friends about movies. There's no science to it. Uh, you just got to work on your skills as a communicator. The number one thing you got to have, absolutely, is you've got to be a good communicator. You got to be able to take the thoughts in your head, formulate them in a way that they convey effectively. And there's not a lot I'm good at at life. I'm good at that. That that's one thing I'm quite I'm quite good at. And that's been the hard thing because like there have been times like in I remember in AMC days and Collider days, we would get people coming to us who are like very good critics. Like we've had some in in our circles, some we used to have some very well known people in our circles, who were written word critics for like some big yeah. outlets, and you know they would express they very much wanted to work with us, and I'd be like, great, let's sit down, let's go have lunch, let's whatever. And the reality was, while they're great at the written word, they weren't very good or effective communicators. And like that is a, the number one skill you got to have because it doesn't matter if you have all the movie knowledge in the world. It doesn't matter. Any, none of that matters on camera if you're not effective at communicating it. And so I would say just get your YouTube started and start working on it. Uh, you know, I would also say go and read some of the great movie critics that are no longer yes. with us, like Pauline Kael or Roger Ebert, his books, The Great Movies. 
are really worth uh, looking at. Uh, Toshin has published a bunch of books about directors that uh, FX Feeney was involved in. And and even going back and read, obviously translated, go go back and look at Cahiers du Cinema and read some of the, um, like Francois Truffaut and Godard and when they were writing criticism. Because the most important thing, and I think, John, you'll agree, is if you're going to do this, if you want to pursue a life where you're going to review things, your point of view is the most important thing about your reviews. Absolutely. Your point of view is the thing that you have that's unique to you. And you want to make sure that your perspective is something that viewers can only get from you. And you need to hone that and find out what is that perspective and how do you convey it? Because there are just too many people. And by the way, I don't want to break down into a class on this right now, but don't give a flying F what other people say about a certain topic. Don't care. Nope. Uh, I, I've, I've known too many people that before they do their review, they go and read what everybody else is saying first, seeing what's the popular thing to say right now, and they just, they just say what's popular. And I like I remember this one time, Rob, I was, we were having lunch after a show. This is still back in the AMC slash Collider days. And one of our prominent people, we were talking over lunch, said, yeah, during that talk, topic about X person, yeah, no, 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 I can't stand that person. I'm like, wait a minute, time out. We were just talking about it on the show today, and you said you're a really big fan. I just don't want, like, but that's because that person's popular. I don't, I don't want to say that I don't like them, but I, I really don't like them. And I remember after that, we got back to the office and I pulled my office and said, sit down, listen to me right now. You above everything else, you have to be authentic. It doesn't matter if what you're saying, you are far more valuable to me saying the unpopular thing. If that's really what you think and saying it in an effective way, than saying what everybody just wants to hear. That ain't what we're here for. Don't give a shit about what everybody else likes and don't like. Don't go out of your way to be a contrarian, but always give your honest perspective because, Rob, just as you were just saying, the only thing that you have, everybody has the same damn headlines. Everybody has the same damn movies they're watching. The only thing that you have that is 100% unique to you is your perspective. Always just be dead honest about your perspective. It doesn't matter if it's the popular thing or not. If it's the popular thing, great. If it's not, whatever, but always give your perspective. Anyway, we, we got to keep moving on here. With yeah. That. All right. Uh, Elizabeth Gerardo writes, search like giving Warner Brothers a side eye right about now. <laughs> I mean, there you go, Warner <laughs> Brothers. That's how you handle business. Yeah. Something could be going wrong. Pause everything. We need to look into this. Warner Brothers, shh. We don't talk about Ezra. All right. What's next? Uh, let's see. Uh, Diego Hugueras uh, writes, uh, favorite four streaming platforms. I don't like doing lists about your favorites. Isn't that obviously they're great streaming platforms out there. A lot of them have a lot to offer, whether it's Apple plus, uh, Disney plus Netflix, Hulu, uh, Peacock is despite being the worst name out there is surprisingly good. Amazon prime is surprisingly good. A lot of really, really good ones. Out Criterion there channel. And right now it's HBO max for HBO sure. max is fantastic. Right now. Um, uh, let's see. Amin writes, uh, percentage chance we see Dinklage's character in Thor 4. I'll go 15%. Mm, I might go even higher. Yeah? Yeah, a little higher. Define higher. 
20%. Because somebody had to put back me on there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're right. Somebody's got to. And if it wasn't Moon Knight. If it wasn't Moon Knight. might have been. I don't think they're going to go there. Ray, what do you think? Percentage chance we see uh, Peter Dinklage's dwarf in this thing? Zero. All right. Going to go with the big zero on yeah. there. Next up, we've got uh, Yasmar Hidalgo writes, why not evolve the name to Movies and TV Talk? Because that's a boring name. Movies and TV Talk. Eh, kind of a boring name. Um, at least at least at the time, Movie Talk was just short, punchy, boom. And there was no, nothing else like it at the time. Like, I pioneered the whole Sports Center format of talking about movies that everybody else then tried to copy and then they all failed. Um, I mean, it's just... But Movies and TV Talk, it just sounds like going to a restaurant called Hamburgers and French Fries Restaurant. <laughs> So yeah, I'll, I'll, so I'll probably in a way food and drink. But I'll, I'll tell you Meet what, me at food and drink, food and drink restaurant. But I'll tell you what, Yasmer, I haven't come up with a good name either. Like that's the thing. Like your name's as good as any name I've come up with. I haven't come up with a single good one yet either. All right, uh, Hoop Suni writes. It's already been a great year for movies. Everything, everywhere, Batman and Northman all would have made my top five in 2021. No, you're absolutely right. It has been a great year for movies yep. already. This year, I completely agree with you, Hoopsuni. All right, next up, My Comic Planet writes, uh, The director of The Mummy recently called the failed Dark Universe reboot the biggest failure of his life. Wow. Uh, why do you think this failed, John? Well, look, it comes back to the same thing I say all the time. Winning cures everything. If the first movie had come out and been a hit, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It's just that simple. Everybody thinks it's easy to make a good movie. It is not. It is very, very hard. And what added to the embarrassment, though, of it was the fact that long before the first movie came out, they were running around telling everybody about the five movies they've got coming. Yeah, they, they have a picture of the cast. The whole cast. Look, here's Johnny Depp. Look, here's Russell Crowe. Look, here's Javier Bardem. Look, here's what... And all the cast together... And they hadn't even put out one movie yet. And then they put out the first movie. And I still contend that Mummy movie wasn't as bad as some people make it out to be. Although it wasn't great. Um, but that's what went wrong. It's simple. They stumbled out of the gate. Just that simple. If Iron Man 1 had been crappy, there would be no MCU today. It's just that simple. You can you can cry and pretend that that's not the case all you want. Facts the facts. If the first Iron Man movie didn't come out of the gate banging, there would be no MCU today. It just kind of what it is. I don't know, Rob, you got any? Nope, you're absolutely right. And you know who that was? It was Alex Kurtzman. It was Kurtzman. Alex Kurtzman. Yep. I, I will just leave that there. I like Alex Kurtzman. He's actually made some dynamite little movies. Oh, He's actually I, uh, made some really I, dynamite I, stuff. I've never met the man. I have no problem with him as a human being and as a, a fellow traveler on this planet Earth. <laughs> I wish him the best. All right. Next up. Uh, let's see. Film Code Podcast writes, uh, after seeing Fantastic Beast 3, I think Ezra has been just taking method acting too far. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and by the way, all credit words do. I liked Ezra Miller's performance in Fantastic Beast 3, to be honest with you. He, the character didn't have a ton to do in the movie, but I thought he played it very well, to be honest with you. I Again, his personal issues aside, it doesn't take away from the fact that I think the dude's a very, very good performer. All right, next up. Uh, we've got uh, Juan, who just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Juan. Uh, Trey Brown writes, 
new Thor, new Cap, new Widow, new Hawkeye, new Hulk. Uh, the mantles have been passed down. Do you think Jane is Thor beyond Love and Thunder? No. Remember, Jane is not Thor. It's it's a semantic distinction, but it's an important distinction. Thor is Thor. They're referring to Jane in this as Mighty Thor. So they are, I mean, it's a slight variation, but it's still different. Jane is not Thor, and Chris Hemsworth is not done in this franchise. So I don't know, Rob, what do you think about that? I think you completely agree. You know, and someone pointed out that maybe Thor, the, the Jane Foster Thor, is actually a variant Thor from a different universe. I was like, I she's got about this that. universe is Mjolnir. Yeah, I know. So uh, that's why I, I think, think they said they're going to play her cancer and condition into the whole thing. Yeah, so. which, which they should, because I, I think that's fine. But yes, Thor's Thor. Yeah. You can't replace Thor. Like, like uh, 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 Kate Bishop is not going to replace Hawkeye. Kate Bishop is Kate Bishop. She's a different character. Maybe she'll take on the moniker of Hawkeye, but that doesn't change that our that Clint Barton is still that character. Yeah. And still running around. All right. Next up. Uh, Wesley Wu writes, how likely will we see Beta Ray Bill in either Doctor Strange 2 or Thor 4? I'm going to go uh, anything outside of a minor Easter egg or cameo. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to go zero. I don't think we're seeing him here yet. Yeah, but you know what, dude? I would I would love, you know who would love people to People have been seen? saying that since the first Thor. They've been people, to see Beta John Ray Bill. Schnepp, if Beta Ray Bill, if he was still here. Well, he loved Beta, Beta Ray oh, Bill. Oh, my God. He yeah, would love it. But I'm going to go very, very low percentage chance on this. Uh, but eventually. Because they would show him. Yeah, I agree. They wouldn't keep that under wraps. No. All right. Andy writes, when Nicole Kidman showed up in the beginning of Northman, my body instantly had a physical reaction because I couldn't help but think that this was another ad. I know. I know. And I feel bad about it because Nicole Kidman is a goddess in this industry. And I feel bad now that when I see her, all I, all I do is have these nightmares of heartbreak feels good in a place like this. I fucking hate that ad. Whenever but, I see Nicole Kidman, it just makes me want to watch Days of Thunder again. She's very good in that. She is good in that. She's very good in just about everything she does. All right, next up, uh, we've got Seconds from Disaster, the daily rundown for a new show name. You know what? You're not the first person to recommend that. I've had the daily rundown was recommended to me before. It's actually not a bad one. That's one I've got uh, filed away, Seconds. All right, Jack, uh, Blackjack Hooligan writes, Rob's thoughts on the OG Star Trek Four film collection. Oh, the original Star Trek Four film collection. The, the ones that came out on, on Blu-ray? I think that the the steel books, I mean the 4K versions, I'm pretty happy with them. I mean, I think especially Star Trek II looks better than it's ever looked. Um, yeah, they're good. I mean, I don't understand why they only released four of them. I know that we're probably going to get uh, Star Trek V, Star Trek VI, and then the next generation films by the end of the year. But it's bizarre that they didn't release all six of them together. Yeah, that is kind of weird to me. All right. Next up, uh, we've got a Sal sends in another $5 super chat just to be supportive. Thank you, Sal. Uh, our buddy Kevin Rubio, who were we just quoting a second ago, writes, Cavill Mustache Monday. That's what we should totally do. We should put the we should get a mustache and put it on that on Monday. It's called it's Cavill Mustache Mondays, followed by Taco Tuesdays. And we got to have Taco Tuesdays in the studio every day. All right. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Next up, Crashing Coyote writes, Thoughts on Vin alluding to bringing back uh, Brian slash Paul Walker in Fast 10 after Paul's mom asked Vin to finish the story they started together back in 2001. I mean, I'm going to say the unpopular thing. I don't like it. Um, I don't like it because story comes first. And clearly they did not plan on having Paul Walker's character in this. Um, And so... I, I get the sentimentality of it. 
Paul Walker's mom says, I'd love for him to be in the movie again, which means get my other sons, put him in as Paul Walker's character again. What was the character's name? Brian? Um, Brian O'Connor. I mean, Honestly, he had such a beautiful, th- that montage at the end of Fast 7. The, let's see you again. It was the most perfect send-off for a character in cinematic history. It was really good. And to bring it, was it back. perfect. I mean, look, I understand that they can resurrect like a Luke Skywalker with technology. But to me, I have a fundamental problem with it. Because it's not, I know this is weird to say, it's not real. You can't bring Paul Walker back. You can honor his memory, but even with some digital recreation or using his brothers or whatever, it's just, it's not him. And it feels inauthentic. See, I would be far more okay with it if right from the beginning, man, we've got an idea for Fast 10 and it involves Brian and it's pivot and it's part of the story. Okay, story comes first. And if your story requires Brian to be in it, Figure out a way to have his character there, whether you're using Paul's brothers or my thing is was, well, clearly they didn't have Brian in mind when they came up with their story. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I, and the send off was so perfect. The send off was just so perfect. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I think if it was story driven, I'm okay with it, but it doesn't seem to be story. We're going to go into a, we're going to look at the, re, the day is coming where they talk about, they've already talked about resurrecting James Dean digitally and putting yeah, him well, in. Well, that movie. died apparently. Yeah. So. But I just don't, I don't, I don't want to see that because I think part of the reason I love movies is is seeing real people perform in them. Yeah. And when they're all digital, I don't know. All right. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Harv's K writes. Uh, thinking of taking my dad to see Northman this weekend, but how accessible is it? I know A24 and Eggers films can get quite weird. Uh, and this enough of a is this enough of a dad film for a dad to enjoy? Listen, look, yeah, because when you're talking about Robert Eggers, The Witch had some what the hell and and definitely Lighthouse is all what the hell from start to finish. And there are moments of what the hell in The Northman. But it is a more straightforward revenge film than anything else. I think the, the layman can walk into this movie and have a they'll be able to understand completely what's going on from start to finish. A young boy watches the i mean in some ways the northman is the lion king young boy sees the death of his king father at the hands of his uncle but doesn't i mean in lion king doesn't know it was his uncle uh and then is off becomes a mighty warrior comes back for revenge i mean and so in many ways it's kind of an adult version of lion king but but yeah i think your dad will be able to follow along with it no problem there's a few weird moments but that's to be expected in negger's film Good question, Harves. I hope you guys have a good time. All right, Amy Berg Jallo sends in a super chat badges to be supportive. Thank you, Amy Berg. Appreciate that. Um, Joel Rolston sends in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Joel. And Joel writes in, hey, guys, have you seen Kelsey Grammer is currently working with the Irwin brothers who directed and produced American Underdog with Zachary Levi? Uh, Grammer is portraying uh, Pastor Chuck Smith in the Jesus Revolution. Nope. Not familiar with it at all. Sounds interesting, though. I'll tell you what I am interested in is Kelsey Grammer doing a re- revitalization of uh, of uh, Frasier. I loved Frasier. I think this is ripe for revisiting. I love the idea of him now re- revisiting what happened to Kelsey Grammer after the last episode when he said, uh, what's, what was Frasier's big sign-off? Um, Good night and 
good good night and good mental health or whatever his sign off was. Guys in the live chat, what was Frazier's big sign off? When Frazier was doing his radio show, he would end his radio show with the same sign off. I'm just dying for somebody in the live chat to write it in and let me know what it is. At any rate, I'll keep my eyes on it. Ray, keep your eyes on that mm-hmm. live chat for me, will you? Um, so that'll be interesting to see. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I think all faith-based movies are utter bullshit. And I, I formed that opinion while I was in seminary. <laughs> like me, me and my fellow pastoral, like seminary students. So we were all in agreement. Yeah. Uh, faith-based movies suck. They're getting better though. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I just, I just really have no interest in them. All right. There, there it is. I'm listening, but I think he's, that was, that was a day intro. and good men- mental health. What's that? Good day and good mental health. Maybe that was it. Cause I know he would open everything with I'm listening. But I always then I thought he always ended it with something good day and good mental health. That that sounds good. Other people are saying that must be it. Good day and good mental health. I am very much looking forward to that. All right, thanks for sending that in, Joel. Appreciate that, man. All right, uh, Parker Thwips writes, "Hey yo, your friendly neighborhood animator back again to remind you the bad guys comes out this weekend, John. I think you'll really like this one. I hope so because I'll be honest with you, I didn't like the previews. I just did not like the previews." It, it just nothing about it did I find funny or enjoyable. But to be fair, I've heard some good things. I've heard some early good things. So I am going to check it out. But uh, I, I'm going to need to hear some more good things, I think. So thanks for keeping that on my radar, Parker. I appreciate that, man. All right. Sam Fisher writes, I'm going to do a Northman uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once double feature. I think you're in for a good time. That's a lot of mind bending, though, Sam. So whew, <laughs> soda up. Popcorn up, sugar up, be ready to go. That's, that's a lot of movie. <laughs> that's a lot of movie right there, man. All right. Uh, Miguel Sosa Myers writes, in the Thor 4 trailer, when Thor plants his hammer, I think it's the end shot of the film, and Thor is on hiatus in the MCU for a little while, uh, while another big event occurs, and they bring him back. Nope, I completely I completely disagree. It, 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 it's because of his suit, right? His suit is the the one that he just wore. And then he goes to the blue one, I think. Unless he goes back to... Yeah, I, mean, I don't think he's retiring. I, I I, think he probably goes to find himself. Yeah, this, like, I oh. think that's all the beginning of the film. Yeah. And kind of what ultimately causes this the split between him and the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Because he's with them. There's a battle going on. He walks away from the battle. I've got to find myself, blah, blah. And, you know, then the Guardians fly off as him. And uh, I always forget... Uh, the name of the rock character, um, Korg. Go oh, Korg. Um, him and Korg just staying there. I, I really do think that's all the beginning of the movie. I, I think I don't think that's an end shot. I think classic to Kevin Feige and MCU marketing stylings. A lot of stuff we're going to see in the marketing is all happening in the first act of the film. So uh, I really think that. But but Miguel, you never know. Let's see what happens. The movie's only like two months away, so we're going to find out pretty soon if that's the case. So we'll if it does happen that way, we'll remember you said that. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Miguel. There we go. Okay, next up. Uh, Marie Seifring writes, hello, Marie. Marie writes, at the end of episode four of Moon Knight, I think we are seeing Mark slash Steven's journey to the underworld. The details are just uh, the way their minds make sense of what's going on. I I believe that too. I believe, like, I believe, and we may find out this Tuesday night that I'm totally wrong about this. My belief is everything we've seen in the show was real. He gets shot and now he's in an in-between. And 
we've seen this trope play out in other movies and shows before. Uh, it could be deeper than that. Like, Rob, I think you're still believing it could be something deeper than that right now. But I, I think we will 100% agree that at the end of episode five, that's this is all going to be clear. They're going to get this all cleared up heading into the final episode. Uh, but I don't know. You've had a couple of days to marinate on now. Where are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, look, I think he still might be left for dead in the temple of Conchu. And all of this has been something playing out in his mind, his subconscious. It's it's entirely a journey. And when he wakes up, he's going to be a much more traditional version of the Moon Knight character. He's going to be Mark Spector again. He will be made whole and he will move forward out into the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a more fully realized Mark Spector. Maybe. Next up, we've got, uh, thanks for that, Marie, and we'll see. We'll find out. Uh, My Comic Planet writes, because I think you're right. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård's packed on 20 pounds of muscle for the Northmen, which included over 4,000 calories per day, LOL. Listen, I don't know that I've seen a more perfect physique than Skarsgård in this movie. Like it is, he's, he's not, always like when he was Tarzan. And, oh yeah, and True oh, he's been Blood in great shape. But I'll tell man. you what, he is obviously not as physically large as The Rock or John Cena. But when he's like, there's this scene where he's in berserker mode, right? And he's shirtless, walking around with his axes. And I'm just looking at that physique, and I'm like, that is human perfection. Like that 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 physique was just perfect, like the perfect balance of ripped shape size. Everything. I mean, that. I mean, this dude. He, poof, man, man. He looked good, my dude. He looks so good. Everyone's bringing up Tarzan, and I like that Tarzan movie. I like the Tarzan. Margot Robbie, Samuel yeah. L. Jackson. I enjoyed that movie, and he looked great in that too. Who was the villain? Was it Christoph Waltz? It was uh, not Samuel L. Samuel, Samuel L. Was, was in the movie. It might yeah, have been. it was Christoph, it was Christoph Waltz. Waltz. Yeah, I like that movie. I, I mean, I didn't. It's not like one of my top fifty favorite movies of no, all time. No, but I liked it too. I liked it too. All right, and I always like Margot Robbie. All right, uh, let's see here. Mark Five Carter writes, um, "Hey, can't be a crew. Uh, have y'all been watching the new season of Atlanta? Yes, I have. This season takes its social sat- satire to Twilight Zone levels, unapologetically bringing in a multitude of issues to light with outstanding story. Te, I don't know what that means, but oh, to it. Anyway, um, I'm a little mixed. I really like Atlanta. I'm a little mixed on this season because hmm. they've done a couple of like." They're almost treating it like an anthology show in some way. Like there've been a couple of episodes that have been complete one-offs and that's interesting. I get it. Donald Glover wants to kind of flex his creative muscles a little bit. That's cool. But when they've been staying on story, my God, there, there is this one episode. Oh, he meant storytelling. T.E. Oh, outstanding storytelling. Okay. Um, There is this one episode where they just go to this house party. And I can't... What's the name of uh, of the character? Not Paperboy. Not not Donald Glover's oh, character. Um, um, I can't remember the name of the character. Anyway, he goes up and just asks a girl to pass him something at a party. And she goes, oh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm taken. He's like, no, I'm, I'm really just asking for that. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just kind of used to being hit on and blah. And she mentioned she was this beautiful Asian girl. And she kind of mentioned that she's she often finds a lot of black men like to hit on her. Right. And her and the character 
Uh, Darius, thank you guys in the live chat. Thank you, Je Jeremy, Farrell, Connor. So, and Darius and her end up having a really nice little short conversation. And then she goes off. And this guy, this 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 white kid comes in and goes, man, I'm so sorry you had to do that. That was bullshit what she did. And he's like, she didn't really do anything. It was perfectly fine. No, man, she's like racially profiling you and everything. It's like, dude, it was totally fine. It was a good conversation. Fast forward in the episode now, right? Darius walks into a room where that same white kid is sitting in a chair talking to a bunch of other people. And he over he walks in on the conversation where the guy's saying, and then she says to him, nah, man, all lives matter. And I'm like, <laughs> and Dick's like, first of all, that's not what happened. And then all of a sudden, that girl's fiance comes up to Darius later. I am so horrified to hear what my fiance said to you. You think you know a person? Darius is like, Man, it's not that bad. And then later on, they go outside, and this girl is sitting outside on the curb crying and weeping because everybody hates her now. It was, listen, one of the things that Lana does so well is it takes serious, sometimes office-like awkward moments while conveying real societal observations and makes it ridiculously hilarious all at the same time. And when they're staying on message and staying on their, their storytelling for the main story, I'm totally in. I'm a little iffy, even though they've been really, really interesting. They're kind of like one-off stuff. But, man, overall, it's, it's, really, it's really so good. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. Next up, we've got uh, Harry Katsaros, who writes, Anyone watched Slow Horses on Apple? I have... I'm not even familiar with it. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant and second best show on TV after winning time, in my opinion. Wow. Gary Oldman is incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, if he doesn't the... win an Emmy for Best Actor awards, the awards are rigged. That's that's a stupid thing yeah, to yeah, say, by he, the way. He's Harry, a spy but... master, and he's got these lame... He's, he's trying to whip this like lame crew of spies into shape. I didn't realize that's what it was. Everyone's telling me that show's great. And is Gary Oldman? Yeah, he's a star. How are they not promoted this? Like, I, I'm not even familiar with this show. Uh, yeah. And I like Apple TV. Yeah, it's supposed to be great. All right, dude. Thanks. Thank you very much, Harry, for it's putting that on show. my radar. All right. We're going to have to. Let's see. All right. Next up. Uh, Benjamin Tam writes, watch The Northman. Great movie. Had an excellent time. Did not expect the twist. Neither did I. Neither did I. I mean, I kind of expected half the twist. But the second half of the twist, no effing way. Nope. And it was like, what? Like, I just, oh my God. I told, again, we can't give anything away though. All right, Darth Grant writes, one of two, it's finally done. The MCU timeline slash multiverse confusion can be put to rest now. Michael Waldron, head writer, showrunner of Loki. And I don't think we're going to even get to the part two of this. No, I can't spend all day looking for it. So if we, if we get to it there, we'll get to it. We'll try to remember that you said that. Michael Waldron, the showrunner of Loki. Uh, all right. Uh, Ryan Trabuco writes. Damn it. I wanted to know what. what. Yeah. A uh, oh. uh, new show logo could be a cartoon Felipe, the sentient dancing microphone, holding a burning clapperboard because of someone someone's hot takes. Y'all have a great day. Uh, one of these days, that Felipe, the sentient dancing microphone movie will get made, Ryan. It's a dream. Felipe will come to life and sing his dance. Who who will who will voice Felipe? <sighs> the voice of Felipe the sentient dancing microphone will be Ken Jeong. All right. There okay. we go. Called it now. How does that make sense? I have no idea. But Ken well, he's Jeong's no longer the, right the masked singer. So He's not? 
I don't think so. I think he is. Not anymore. Oh, he just walked off one thing. I don't think he's off the show. <laughs> I don't think he's off the show. I think he's totally still on the show. Like, I have watched one episode of The Masked Singer. I watched the first episode of The Masked Singer. I'm like, this is all I need to see, and I haven't watched it since. So, like, like I would know. All right. Uh, Chris Herman writes, the hippo is Mephisto. Mephisto. No. But, man, that is like, when that happened, the door opens and it's a freaking hippo. I'm like, okay, this show is so bonkers. I'm loving it already. All right. Uh, Native writes, hey, John and crew, loved your movie club on Aliens. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun for us. But it got me thinking, do you, do you, any of you, watch Raised by Wolves on HBO Max? Ridley Scott is the executive producer, and it's so great. I watched Raised by Wolves season one. Me too. And I tapped out at the end of it. I, I, I like like for the most part it started off really interesting it dragged a lot and there were a lot of things there were a lot of moments in season one i'm like why would that character do that and then why would that character do that but it was still so interesting that i that i kept watching kept watching kept watching by the end of the final episode of season one i'm like i'm out i i, I just tapped out I, I just i've lost my interest in it so uh, I thought it had a lot of potential, a lot of promise. I know a lot of people love it, and that's great. But yeah, I made it all the way through season one, but I tapped out at the end. Rob, what, what do you think of it? I, you know, I I thought it was the ending was strange, but I enjoyed the show, and I watched the first episode of season two so far. I just haven't gotten back to it. I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, I, I find the fact that it is so offbeat and uh, strange and interesting, I like that about it. I don't know where it's going to wind up, but uh, I'm definitely going to get back to it. You know, I find any wolves, um, anything that has to do with wolves, boring and have bad scripts. What are we talking about? Uh, you true? know how Ridley Scott superhero said superhero movies are boring. Oh, yeah. and I, <laughs> boring. By the way, you I know, should, I just won't watch them because they're boring. I should you, point out uh, the show Raised by Wolves does not have a single wolf in it. Yeah, there are no wolves in, in Saved by Wolves uh, yet. Yes. Oh, there, there are might, no wolves. There, might be there are no wolves. No, there are no wolves. And raised by wolves. That's... It's metaphoric. It's yeah. It's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, um, where are we at here? Lucky BX writes. Hey, crew, I loved Rob's idea about uh, how Wanda sent all mutants to the animated world. I watched the old X-Men cartoons, and it is possible. Check out the po the episode Family Ties on Disney+. Plus. There's a... What episode was Family Ties? I don't, I don't that. remember. I mean, God, I haven't watched that show in 30 years. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. <laughs> just... Been a while. But I mean, if look, I, I don't believe that he sent them into the animated universe. No, I just, look, I don't either. I just thought it'd be a cool idea. But the notion that she sent them somewhere and that changed all of history, I think there's something to that. I, I'm starting to get the feeling that there's going to be a lot of impact of the at, something animated, like from this movie. Like, we got I Captain mean, Carter. You, you we can got Captain only Carter coming. Why would they even include it in the first place? I think there's going to be a bigger thing that's going to happen from it than we 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 think. I I, I really look. I don't want to get ahead of myself because if Kevin Feige's doing it, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But right now, I will hope they're not going to try to merge live action and animation as being in the same reality. I don't want uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Because By the way, someone we're two weeks from today. From its opening. That's right. So, someone in the chat uh, mentioned earlier that there was a new spot they dropped or something. And yep. then you could see towards the end, Doctor Strange turn animated. Like if you no, like slow I it down. Yeah. Is okay, that the new trailer? There's a new trailer. I didn't see that. But yeah. Well, like it probably it's probably a new TV spot. Yeah. But yeah. still, I'll, I'll have to check that out if that's true. All right. Next up. Uh, Daniel Dang writes a screen center 
uh, uh, name an homage to Sports Center. You know what? I like. I was just joking that like everybody puts screen in the name, but Screen Center. Because yeah, like look, I made no, I haven't made any bones about it. I haven't hid this right from the beginning when I created. For your consideration, AMC Movie Talk, the idea and my original movie blog podcast was it is Sports Center for film fans. And so for that and that alone, Screen Center is not a bad idea, Daniel. It's not a bad name either. Yeah, I'm going to keep that in mind. That's not a bad one. All right, Super Wonder Bat Rights. Uh, is it self-taught or is there a college course? Oh, this goes, I think you wrote the first one about this. Is it self-taught or is there a college course I could take? Your advice would be greatly appreciated. The best thing I can tell you, Super Wonder Bat, is to go on YouTube and search for John Campia getting started. It's a video I did like five years ago, but it's still relevant today. And it's like a two-hour video that I go into how to get started, what are the important things. Uh, there are many, many paths to victory, Super Wonder Bat. But again, the best thing for you to do is just search on YouTube for John Campia getting started. And you should come across a video right at the top. It's like John Campia talks about getting started and blog at, blog, blogging, podcasting, and YouTubing. Uh, and I hope you will find that helpful. I could, You know, yeah. John, I, I just want to say I didn't know Jeremy Johns until I got introduced to him by you guys at Collider. Right. I think Jeremy Johns is a good example of somebody who has a unique take, does something that's unique. There's another, a woman out of Chicago named Impression Blend. Totally different. I also think she has a great take. And uh, those two people are very, very different in their approach. But watching them, you kind of get an idea like, oh, okay, I need to give the world something of myself that is unique. And they're two very different kinds of people and find some place in between them and maybe start there. And don't even try to find a place. Just figure out what your voice is. Yeah, what is your voice? What's what is your it? voice? Do that. But again, go in a place. Find your place. Yeah. Go go check out that video because, again, we can't go into it here at length. But I think uh, hopefully that will give you a lot of information you can use there. Super Wonder Bat. All right. Big D Studios writes, I saw The Northman last night and, oh, my God, it's one of the most intense and visually graphic films I've ever seen. All performances were great. I just thought it was, it, look, it's a masterful, masterful story. It is like you just feel as you're watching it, I'm watching lore, right? right? You just feel like you're watching a piece of lore. It's so well done, in my opinion. Again, and it's not the movie I was thinking it was going to be. Mm. And in hindsight, I feel kind of silly that I was expecting a different kind of movie. But I was. I was expecting a different kind of movie. It was something totally different, and I loved it. I absolutely ate it up. Like I said, right now, my third favorite film of the year. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it too, Big D Studios. Thanks a lot for sharing your thoughts, man. All right, Nicholas Stanley writes, after watching Sonic 2, where's your excitement level with the Knuckles series? I didn't even know there was a Knuckles series. Did they say they were doing a Knuckles series? Ray, did you hear anything about that? Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, I... Let me... I'll look it yeah, up. Yeah, so I, if you find... I, I'd never heard anything about it, Nicholas. Uh, Comic Nizer writes, I'm a manager over the night crew at Walmart. Even though my Walmart crew gets us through the night... The job itself sucks. Uh, my question is, what's the worst job or jobs you ever had? The worst job I ever had is probably the only job I ever got fired from. It was, it was a retail store job. Uh, and it sucked because I cut my hair for it. They told me I had to cut my hair because that's when I still had my like, hair down to here. And they made me cut my hair. I'm like, okay. And I cut my hair for the job. And I just hated the job. I really did. And look, and I, I was in high school. 
Like, even if you hate your job, do your job, right? But I let the fact that I hated the job so much really affected my performance, and I was bad at it. And so I'm not a salesman. And so I got fired like two weeks later after I stopped. I cut my hair, and two weeks later, I lost the job. That was the worst job I ever had. So there is a Knuckles. They're right. There is a Knuckles series in development at Paramount with uh, Idris Elba voicing him. I wouldn't say I'm excited about, but that's interesting. I really like the Knuckles character in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. If people like it, give them more. Yep. Idris Elba got to work. All right, uh, what would you say is your worst job you ever had, Rob? I was gonna. I, I was. Gonna, I didn't want to answer this question because I've never had a job I didn't like. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, I you know I start working. Uh, I was always very entrepreneurial as a kid, but I start working in a video store when video stores were brand new when I was 13. And I've always been lucky that the jobs that I've had somehow pertain to my interests. So I always had a good time. I've had jobs that were really, really hard. Sure. Like my yeah. first film job on Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. I was the art department PA. That was my first. It was the hardest job I ever had. It was brutal in terms of hours, but it was every moment was very exhilarating. Hardest job I ever had was road construction. Because like you were, we were, I was part of a paving crew. Yeah, so dude. like we were doing like Barton Street in Hamilton, which is like the busiest street in Hamilton. And we were just laying miles and miles and miles of hot asphalt. And it was in the summer. And like I would literally go home. I'd have to use three different face cloths to take a shower because like I could run my fingernails along my arm because you would sweat profusely. And the exhaust from the heavy track would stick to your skin. I would run my fingernails along my arms and you get these big things of goo under my fingernails mm. from my own skin. That was that was a tough job. That was a tough one. But I liked it. Did it pay well? For a kid at the time, I think I was making like ten bucks an hour. Well, all right. And at the time, when I was a high that was the most money I had ever made at that time. So I mean there was that. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's get through the last few ones here. Uh, thanks to that in Comicnizer. Uh Felix uh, Phoenix Rising writes. Have you seen Mark Wahlberg's passion project Father Stew? I loved it. Uh the filthy be with you, AMC closet veteran. Um I am also an AMC veteran. <laughs> I have not seen Father Stu. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I have no plans to see it. it. It just doesn't look like a movie that appeals to me. I don't like these kinds of films, generally speaking. I, I do like Mark Wahlberg, but I, I, I'll be honest with you. I watched the trailer. I didn't think the movie looked interesting to me, so I kind of tapped out on the moment. Do you guys watch Father Stu? I, I, like, I kind of like stories like that. It, the great cast, seeing Mel Gibson back and... I mean, uh, somebody finding themselves. I've always been attracted to those kinds of stories. But have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Right. I want to so see you it. You didn't though. go and see it. Well, well, the thing about these these movies or whatever, when it's about someone, I actually choose to find a documentary about the actual thing and watch that. Yeah, that instead. makes sense. That's, That's what I usually yeah. do, to be honest. Have you found one? No, no, I didn't try searching for one yet. There, there's got to be. I bet there is probably. There, probably there has is somewhere to be out one. there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Mike Helmick Planet who writes. Echo, Disney Plus show is now filming. We talked about that yesterday. I haven't been excited about this show, but if Kingpin and Daredevil appear, sign me up. Here's the thing, though. If it's not their show, I, I wouldn't get too excited just yet. I, look, I want to be excited about everything Marvel. I do. But I just didn't like the character that much in, um, in Hawkeye. Yeah. That was their opportunity to introduce this really cool character and make it really compelling. And, re and they just didn't do a good job. It's not the actress's fault, by the way. It's not her fault at all. But I, I have a, it's 
it's going to be a while before I can get excited, but I'm going to have to see some stuff to get excited because I'm just not there yet. Rob, what about you? I'm with you. I, I it, She was frustrating to me because I wanted, I liked the character from the comics. I wanted to like her more, and I thought they didn't make her compelling enough, and it was all, the actress was great. It was the writing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, but we'll see, man. I mean, it could be the best show they've ever done. We're just going to have to wait and find out. All right, Abel Leon writes, Hey, John, over under 10% that Apocalypse has been, has been turned into a statue by the gods. Also, what was your Moon Knight theory? Um, that he was, he's one of the statues on there. Well, Apocalypse was never part of the Egyptian god pantheon. No. So that seems to be something explicitly reserved for Egyptian gods to do themselves. But that's a lot of Egyptian gods on there. There is a lot. That's a lot of Egyptian gods on there. I can't even remember what my theory was. What? I had a big theory. I had a big theory as a result of the end of the last episode. Now I can't even remember what that theory was. What are you um, going to say, Ray? Um, I, not to cut you off or change subject, but what days are you going to Star Wars Celebration? The Saturday. Because they just announced that Ewan McGregor will be there. On Saturday? Are, yeah, a lot of people are. Oh, great. Well, the cool. Twitter just announced he'll be there. So. But I don't know. I don't think anybody on the planet didn't think Ewan McGregor yeah. was going to be there. <laughs> yeah. But... But yes, I will be there on the Saturday. So any of you guys are going to be at Star Wars Celebration. If you're going to be there on Saturday, I will be there too. Feel free to come up and say hi uh, if we bump into each other. I'll be at the bar at either the Marriott. <laughs> I'll probably come over and join you. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Joe Star Gaming 661 writes, there should be a Hawaii Five-0 reboot uh, where the suspect in every single case is Ezra Miller. <laughs> I didn't know where he was going with that until I got the end. It's like, wait a minute. Like every time you see Ezra Miller show up in the episode, I bet that guy did it. <laughs> well, they could have all, all of his different violations could make for a different episode every yeah, time. Yeah, different thing. Different you know, thing. He does you know, something different. Whatever charge has been brought against him this week. All right. Uh, next up, Michael Serta writes, new show name idea, Mediaverse. Uh, much love, fellas. Uh, I don't think I like the word media being in it. I think it's, I like in Screen Center more and more. Screen dude. Center works a lot for me. I'll, I'll tell you what the other one was too after we're, after we're done, but Screen Center is, is not a bad one. Uh, all right. Thank you for the idea though, Joe Starr. Uh, Michael Cedro writes, new show name. Oh no, that was Michael. Sorry. Carlos De La Luz writes, hey guys, been a fan since the AMC days. Thank you so much, Carlos, for being around that long. My question is, have you guys seen, the, uh, seen New Girl? It took me a while to watch it, but definitely feels like uh, John's taste. I, I love the show. Now, there was a stretch for a season, a season and a half where it was basically unwatchable. Um, it was after, like, Jess and I keep forgetting uh, Johnson's character's name, but Jess and uh, Johnson's character get together finally, and then they break up for a while. And I don't know if they had new writers on the show, but Nick, thank you. Uh, Kalix was the first one to write in Nick. Uh, and a few other people do too. So Jess and Nick get together and then they break up for a while. I just found when the, when they broke up, the show was unwatchable, not because they don't have my favorite couple together. No, no, it's just, I think the writing got really bad all of a sudden. And then it picked up and got stronger near the end of, uh, as well. But no, it was a delightful show. It was a mm. very well-written show. Loved the characters. The humor was quick-witted. Um, I really, now she's married to one of the property brothers. Zoe Deschanel is married to one of the Property Brothers now. It's funny because I never even knew where they were together until I was at the, a Star Wars, I think it was the last Skywalker or the Rise of Skywalker premiere. And we were in line 
and we realized the people like so we got out of our limo got in line and then we realized people got in the limo right behind us because kathleen kennedy got out of the limo in front of us and behind us was the property brothers because they they got and got in line behind us those property <laughs> brothers and zoe de chanel was there and i'm like is one of them dating Zoe Deschanel? And Anne was like, I think they've been together for a while now, John. It's like, I'm sorry. I don't keep up to, with this stuff. But yeah, she's married to one of the property brothers. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got uh, Jacob Hirsch writes, be full circle to name the show movie blog or movie talk or t- or or a take on them. Uh, your brand's already associated with them. And in a way, we consume media today. Nobody would be confused if you mentioned TV. Yeah, so I did think for a while about just taking back the name. Just taking back the name Movie Talk. And I think if it wasn't for the fact that we talk about a lot more TV and streaming now and things like that, that I would have, again, I, w- I seriously thought about just taking it back. And just like, we would just call it movie talk, but technically the name would be John Campia's movie talk or something like that. But we did think about taking that, but I really think the word movie shouldn't be in it. Um, but I was very tempted, Jacob. I was very, very tempted. I, to there's take a lot of people talk. in the uh, the chat that uh, actually want my suggestion right now. It's multi-screens of moonness. That, hey, listen, nobody, it's very recognizable for me to say no. The multi-screens of moonness? All moon, all the time, 24-7. That's when you just have to pat me in the back and smile and be like, yeah, you know, it'll be okay. Yeah, I just imagine you, know you what, mooning Ray? us. We're going to take that idea and we're going to put it right up here on the fridge. Look at that. <laughs> right up here on the fridge. Look at that there. <laughs> like more on the side of the fridge so on people don't see the it. <laughs> the multi-screens of moonness. All right. Next up, that was Jacob. Uh, then we just have Fredo uh, Val- Valcaz and Travis Treese both send in Super Chat badges just to be supportive. Fredo in the house. And guys. I knew it was you, Fredo. I knew it was you, and it broke my heart. That will do it <laughs> for this final episode wow. of the John Campia Show from this studio that we've been in for a little over a year, that we've seen a lot of our growth in, and Guys, that'll do it for the show for today. Thank you so much for being here and making this show a part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in the Super Chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it, and all of us involved here with the show, thank you guys so much for your support. I want to thank the guys in the room with me, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, where can people follow you online? Well, John, you can find me on Instagram, <laughs> and you should at RM Burnett, or find me on Twitter at Burnett RM, or find me on my own YouTube channel, the Post Geek Singularity, and the PostGeekSingularity.com website. And uh, Ray Aura here, been hanging out with you guys in the live chat. Ray, we can people find you online? Uh, Besides Ray, at the office assembling um, chairs. Ray Aura with a zero. Everyone have a good weekend. Be safe, please. By the way, also a big last second shout out to Alora X who threw in a super chat badge there in the last second. Thank you, Alora. And uh, guys, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter simply at John Campy. You can see that right there. And uh, yeah, the next time you see us will be from, now it won't be from the studio stage. It'll probably be broadcasting from our offices, uh, but we'll be from the new studio office on Monday. Uh, we got a lot of work to do this week. As a matter of fact, as soon as we're done here, we're probably going to grab a quick bite to eat, and then we're going to start the process of tearing everything down in here and taking it over to the new studio. Fact Checker Jonathan's probably out in the living room right now uh, waiting for us. So, guys, 
Thank you so much for all your support, for being here. Thanks for hanging out with us and having a good show today. And we are looking forward to the next chapter and you guys coming along with us. So for the last time in this room, guys, thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until the new studio, everybody, truly bye-bye. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.